In the criminal justice system, crimes against children in precious cinnamon rolls is considered especially heinous, and so I guess it's incredibly lucky that we have a time traveler to help solve this case, but only through hard work and multiple timelines will he be able to get to the bottom of this case. This is his podcast. But before we get into all that fun stuff, warning, the following investigation may contain language that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there is always the possibility that spoilers may be present for any and all anime being discussed. So if a series that you have not finished yet is starting to be talked about, you might want to plug your ears. And finally, be on the lookout for any of the warning signs that your 10-year-old may actually be a time traveler from the future. One, they have an uncanny ability to detect what's about to happen mere seconds before it takes place. Two, they have a tendency to use very strong language that you wouldn't normally associate with a 10-year-old outside of New Jersey. And finally, they actually get up in the morning before their parents do and actually want to go to school. That is just not normal, people. I repeat, that is not normal. Let the investigation begin. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where a group of intrepid time travelers go on a journey to talk about a recent dub cast or announcement. I'm your host, Jet. And tonight, I'm joined by Andrew. Gotta get back. Back to the past. Satoru Jack. Noah. Because I'm gonna be back in time. Da-da-da. And Hardy. Hey. Let's do the time warp again. <laughs> and again, and again, and again, until we finally get the timeline that we wanted in this game. Because the movie never ends, it goes on and 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 on. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. Stop. In the name of love. God damn it. Dang it. Okay, so we're here tonight to sit down and review the dub for Winter 2016 hit series, The Town Without Me, otherwise somehow localized as Erased. It kind of makes sense as a title. I mean, it was there was two choices. It was either they were going to localize it with the long-ass title, or they were going to cram it down to two syllables like we do with Oriimo or Don Manchi or I, any other show like that. I appreciate they changed it to a race just so they can make it simpler. So, I have a question. Is this a 2017 dub, ladies and gentlemen? No, it is not. And why is that? Because it hasn't been made available streaming for like the last year or so. Until now. (laughs) And who do we have to blame for not releasing it on streaming for a year? Thanks, Henry. Yep. Thanks a lot, Henry. Really appreciate it. He can't can't hear you as he's swimming through his Scrooge McDuck money pile. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, it's like bathing in that Madoka Magica money. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you splash a bucket of cash on you, bitch. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Mo- Madoka Magica, what does this show have in common with Madoka Magica, Jet? That's okay. Uh, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you haven't heard of a race, a race follows the story of 29-year-old Satoru Fujinuma, a depressed manga artist who's filled with regret over not being able to save some of his childhood friends from a mysterious serial killer. And in a twist of fate, he possesses a mysterious power known as revival that allows him to briefly go back in time and undo minor tragedies. But when a serial killer from his past returns and frames Satoru for his mother's death, 
Satoru must travel back to his childhood in order to change the future and save his friend Kaio in the process. Now that you mentioned that um, that uh, intro Andrew uh, was using with Samurai Jackal thing, that sounds a lot more relevant now. <laughs> I can't believe it took you all this long to get that. Okay. No, no, I, no, I knew what it was. I, <laughs> I, I thought we were all just referencing time travel shows. It worked out pretty nicely. Um, okay, so starting things off, we will go with our director and our scriptwriter. So, did anyone besides me have predictions for these? No. I did not have predictions on the grounds that I, by the time I wasn't even sure this was going down, I, I wasn't sure what, who was going to be what. I had a couple ideas here and there, but I didn't predict anything for director. And to be fair, uh, we should probably specify for our listeners out there, in case you didn't know, this is a California dub, uh, much like a couple other shows that we will talk about in the future. This was not dubbed with our usual, the staple of actors and directors that we're mostly used to. Like, I know, Jet, you know, uh, you follow the, the California actors more than some of us do, but I think a bunch of us just don't follow people who are directors or ADR writers over in uh, Bang Zoom. To be fair, there's at least a couple of go-tos when it comes to Bang Zoom, and if I'm correct, I think one of my personal favorite go-tos is in charge of this one. Yes, indeed. Okay, uh, so my predictions were for both ADR director and scriptwriter, I said Patrick Seitz. Uh, reason, pre- uh, reason pretty much Gee, being... I wonder why. Okay, yeah, reason pretty much being this was around the time the dub Your Lie in April came out, and that was pretty much my favorite dub for last year. So I figured he'd do a pretty good job on that, especially since this was kind of another drama thing. Fine taste, sir. I, I, I commend you. I give you a shot glass of uh, good taste right there. Wow. Yep, but instead, for both our ADR director and our scriptwriter... We have Alex Von David, and I think this might somehow be the first time we've ever met him on this show. I think you're right, and that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Alex Von David, uh, you may know him for... He's done a few things, a few obscure shows. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. He's done uh, Blue Exorcist, the Madoka Madsuka movies, Toradora, Dorara, Season 2, Kill a Kill... And uh, this other thing, sorted online, I don't know, I never heard of it. I don't know, I don't think I've ever heard of those shows. Please, no. Does it ring a bell, honestly? <laughs> Maybe it's just because I've been trying to forget that one particular show as much as possible. But the rest of those are a solid catalog of titles. Yeah. They are. Yep. Okay, uh, so my, okay, so my feelings on this in a nutshell are, um, well, personally, I feel pretty confident in saying that Alex Von David is honestly kind of more or less one of the best directors in the industry. I mean, I've been following his work since Blue Exorcist in 2012, and uh, since then, he pretty much keeps pumping out great stuff. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him turn in anything mediocre. And, uh... I always really enjoy the vocal performances and casting choices that come with a lot of his shows. He brings a lot out of these actors, and he brings out a lot of them together. He seems to have a very good working relationship with a lot of them, too. The thing that's also noticeable to me in some of his other shows that is definitely noticeable to me as somebody who's watched the sub and the dub of this now is that there is there is definitely a sweary vocabulary for many of the scri- the lines. Oh, I, yeah, definitely. 
it works for a lot of these scenes, but there's a couple moments where it's like, you're still a 10-year-old kid. Why are you saying beat the shit out of her? Yeah, I kind of see your problem with that. Those uh, moments, they do come up. Um, Like, I was kind of listening specifically for those because I was trying to gauge whether or not this dub would be something you could recommend to, like, um, a PG-13 audience. Uh, Those moments, though, don't really seem to come out more until it it gets more intense. They don't... They don't pull a, a free or a dura-rah-rah where they just throw out the swear words willy-nilly. They are relevant and they are, like, motivated one when the characters are using them. I'd say absolutely this is a... It's a fairly PG-13 series because it's got a lot of, a lot of dark elements, but it doesn't, like... It doesn't, like, throw children bodies at you every second of the day. You know no, saying? just every other episode. Just every, <laughs> every other episode. Every other timeline. Yep. If that I kid think... had just watched where he was going, he would not have been hit by the truck. I think we have to remember, too, that most of the time, Satoru is in a 10-year-old body, but he still has a 29-year-old mind. And so he's going to probably use vocabulary and language that your average 10-year-old is not going to say. Okay, so, that's fair, too. Right. What elementary school do you go to? <laughs> yeah. As, as, I mean, script-wise, I thought things were pretty fine. Like, uh, the only minor nitpick I had, it was around, like, episode two or three. It was, like, uh, that bit where Satori was kind of talking about how he keeps up appearances in order to have friends, like, in his own little world. And uh, uh, in one of those lines, he kind of meant, did he refer to it as his middle school world, but Satoru is kind of clearly an elementary school? Actually, I, I, <laughs> hang on a second. Uh, you, you mentioned something uh, earlier that reminded me of something. The idea that he wasn't being true to himself and that he was putting on a fake persona. You know what You know what this made me realize? Uh, when he goes back in time, the past world is basically a telltale adventure game. When you really think about it, because he had to basically like press the X or B in time, deciding do I let this kid win the race or do I go and win ahead? And then as like as soon as he loses the race, you see Kayo look away, and I just see in the right hand corner in my mind, Kayo will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> did, did anyone else think that this uh, assume when they first watched the show that it was based on a visual novel and not a manga? I. No, I actually didn't get that impression. No, no, I knew it was based on a manga beforehand. So, it, 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 honestly, if this was a visual novel, it, I would have seen a lot more possible options and paths, like whether you choose to save Kayo or whether you choose to help Misayo or Aya. Like, uh, now that I think about it, that is potential for a visual novel, but a. You are dealing with, like, elementary, middle school grade kids, so that is definitely an odd premise in and of itself. And B, whatever path that this series chose, uh, series director definitely went the Kayo Hinazuki route. <laughs> well, she is best girl, so she ha- he had to. Yep. Alex Von David, I have... I don't always like the shows that he directs, but... His dubs are always solid, so I have no real complaints there. It's Usually, he, you're in for a very good performance, and this was no exception. I agree with him. Yeah. 
Okay, and on that note, I think we're good to start diving into our cats a little bit. You're a good guy, Alex. We need to talk about you more. Hopefully, we'll change that soon. Yep. Alright, so first up, we have Sawada and Jun Shiratori, otherwise known as Yuki. Uh, Sawada is a reporter who used to work with Satoru's mother and decides to help him when Satoru gets framed for his mother's murder. While Yuki is a young man from the neighborhood who used to play with Satoru and gets framed for all the kidnappings. Yuki is basically what this show presents is that he is absolutely the first person you would assume in a kidnapping murder spree. He is like awkward, insecure, very passionate, like friendly towards children, and he is absolutely the first person you would frame for this kind of thing. That's why he was the first go-to victim. He's a good guy, a well-meaning guy, a very awkward guy, and a very sketchy guy. Is that why Barney the Dinosaur is in jail right now? Uh... Wait, Barney's in jail? Yeah, Wait, and so which it's Barney? Barney. Were... And Santa Claus. I was always, <laughs> I was always going to say which Barney, because there were several. <laughs> all of them! <laughs> well, all I can say is... Um, I love you. No, 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 I'm cutting you off. Hardy. Nope. You're caught in this murder spree. (laughs) 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 Okay. Alright, so did anyone have predictions for either of these two? Nada, nada. Nope. I I didn't have one for Sawada, but I did have one for uh, Yuki. Um... Uh, now, a lot of my predictions are going to be just based on the few Bang Zoom, recent Bang Zoom shows I've seen. Those were Dura Ra Ra, the uh, uh, Your Lie in April dub, and uh, which other one? Uh, a couple other ones there. So in Dura Ra Ra, there's uh, one of the characters is Walker, who's this nerdy otaku lover who has long, late-thing discussions about the necessity Ooh. for magical girl characters. And I see where everything. you're getting at, yeah. So, um, and... The uh, guy who voices him was Brian Beacock, and I didn't know any, if he was in doing anything else at the time, so... Wait, that's Brian Beacock? That's... Yeah, that's Brian Beacock. Huh. That is Brian Be- Who did you think I was talking about? I, I knew the character you were talking about. I just always associate that name with Monokuma, so that's why that kind of surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> that is not Greg Harris. Okay. No, 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 that no, no. Okay, good. you want to you wanna go with me about... No, not, no, not, no, 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 that, that is for a different alley fight, don't, don't worry, hmm. so, okay, so I had one prediction, that was Brian for playing Yuki. Okay, um, I didn't have any predictions for Sawada either, uh, but for Yuki, I said either Todd Habercorn or Ben Diskin, As, uh, mostly because I was just kind of looking for, you know, a decent go-to awkward young man kind of voice, and they're both good at that sort of thing. I could see Todd definitely see todd although it's kind of hard to pinpoint where he is because he keeps jumping from coast to well not coast to coast but from texas to california he is everywhere and nowhere he's beside you he's all around you our lord and savior todd fucking habricorn fucking habricorn amen yep okay and as for who's actually playing these characters playing soda we have will barrett and for yuki we have max middleman what? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> did, wait, did you not get that? No, no, I did. I'm, I'm just pretending. Okay. Anyway, yeah. What? <laughs> Max Millman, the one punch man. Of, you're lying. 
<laughs> Honestly, he basically does what like Saitama does regularly, except he kind of cares a lot more about what people say about him, and he's a lot worse at hiding his porn. Okay. That All was right. planted. <laughs> All right, uh, so going down their roles, uh, Will Barrett's been around for a pretty long while, and uh, some of his other credits include Alexander in Reign the Conqueror, Jen Koshikawa in Marmalade Boy, Beerus from the Bang Zoom Dove of Dragon Ball Super, and the ultimate life form himself, Cars from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And as for Max Middleman, at this point, if you don't know his name, you probably haven't been paying much attention to California stuff in the last few years. And some of his other work includes Ikari from Alone in the Sea, Inaho from Aldoa Zero, Yunnan from Maki the Kingdom of Magic, Adult Kodahabaru from Boruto the Movie, and of course, the bald crusader Saitama from One Punch Man. So, thoughts on these two? I, I was going to say, there's another particular role I want to mention when it comes to uh, Max Middleman that's very important for this particular performance. Uh, he is Ryuchi Sakamoto in Persona 5, and the reason I knew it was Max is it's basically a much more insecure, stuttery version of Ryugi, Ryuji Sakamoto. Wow, I never saw that coming. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that's a reference. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is. The, it the is. last the last game I played was Chinese checkers, so I, I have no idea what you people are talking about. You kids and your Vigimo games. What's funny is that Noah constantly says that he's not into video games, and yet when he came down to Memphis one time, he played a perfect game of Pac-Man and set the highest score in the entire uh tired convention so Noah are you video game Sundere <laughs> it's not like I like you or anything Baka. It, it, it's not like I know how to button bash or anything Spe speaking of uh, dichotomous here uh, Max and Will totally opposite characters of each other completely but, but I, I like both of them um, Will's is the I think he's the only reliable adult male character in the whole cast because everyone else is either children or uh, or suspects in the in the whole murder scheme that's going on. So it, he was a nice voice to have in there, and I'm glad that Will was able to play him up as kind of a normal but respectable older gentleman. I think he does a good job as Sawada. I just he's got a very cool design and appearance. I just feel like in the actual show proper, he's sort of insignificant like uh, yeah yeah I definitely get like that. yuki is at the very least it is a presence when he's on and he is somebody you definitely feel for but he is absolutely the person you would associate for killing kids if you didn't know better I almost wonder if, um, I don't know the motivation of the original manga, but maybe it was written to sort of, like, try to break up that stigma that people have that if you're a neat or if you're socially awkward or if you're just kind of uh, less motivated, like people in Japan are told to be, then you shouldn't be assumed to be a terrible person. Like, you can meet plenty of people who are shut-ins or just 
not really getting anywhere in life, but they're they're just fine people. They're not gonna kidnap kids. Yeah, like he's just a, he's just sort of like a nice guy that just works for his family's inn or something. I don't think they're portraying him as like an otaku more or less. He's just sort of like a guy mm. that's just sort of keeps to himself, but is genuinely like nice and just doesn't really know how to show it. Like, if he was, like, an otaku or something, as they portray in modern media, mm. he'd just be some asshole. It's like, oh, you're just a normie. <laughs> I, he's more, I don't know if so much otaku-ish. It's more of a, um, so some people have uh, stuttered gross mentally. They, they kind of stay oh, feeling like okay, so you're, you're getting at, he's kind of like uh, the guy from Of Mice and Men, in a way. Yeah, very much. George from him. Well, not that violent, obviously, but but he's not going to be killing mice. But the the idea that he hangs out with kids uh, comes off as creepy as everybody else. But if he still feels himself like he's in elementary school, like he talks to uh, Satoru about, I bet the cool kid in your class, in your fifth grade class, is like this because cool kids are always the same. So he's clearly still stuck in that mindset. Okay, I hadn't thought about that, but I see your point. I, I think he's interesting. Though, yeah, I think Max does a great job as playing awkward Ryuji, and Will does a very good job as Sawada, even though if I don't actually remember what this kid, what this guy contributes to the plot. Okay, uh, as for me, I didn't really have too many thoughts on Will Barrett's performance either, but I really like his voice. I'm always pretty happy to see him in things. I mean, like, of all the recent stuff he's done, it's probably the most laid-back character... But, um, I think he does the wizard reporter thing pretty well, and his voice is kind of pretty suited to that kind of wise old man thing. So it worked. Um, as for Max Middleman, his track record is pretty consistent enough at this point that he almost always turns in good stuff. So I thought he did a great job here. And uh, one thing I noticed about the character that I didn't notice in the Japanese version that you guys were kind of briefly bringing up was kind of like the implication that he might have been autistic there's uh, a the stuttering there seems to kind of give it away which I, yeah. I i get where max was going for with that stuttering is always really hard to pull off convincingly in adr directing so i yeah. it was a little forced sounding max's stuttering was a little forced but luckily it was all dramatic it wasn't trying to be comedic like um there's that one character in genshi ken uh, like the big guy who's got a stutter and it always sounds like, like uh, I, I'm just re- reading the, the, the lines re- re- like this instead of someone who has a stutter is honestly kind of like what some of us in this cast do sometimes. We're just we're rambling a little bit. Not that uh, we're tripping over our words. We just have too many thoughts going a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but but uh, I, I liked how he did it um, because it was dramatic. It wasn't trying to be funny. It was uh, an awkward kind of stuttering. So it's like the best we could get. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much how I felt too. Uh, what about you, Hardy? Basically, uh, we didn't get to hear of Sawada too much, so I really d- wasn't able to make. He really didn't make too much of an impression on me. Um, Yuki sounds fine. Um, he just sort of sounds like he's a. Well, he's not always there, but he's a good kid. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Okay, so getting okay. So speaking of kids, I guess it's time to get to some of the actual kids here. Uh, so, <laughs> I put that in quotation marks when we talk about the actors themselves. But it, go on. <laughs> All right. Okay. So next up, we have Kazu, Osabu, 
Misato and Aya Nakanishi. Let, let me associate these kids pretty quick, quickly if you don't get this. Kazu is macho! Osamu is the kid with glasses. Misato is a bitch. And Aya is there to move the plot along. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that goes. Okay, so did anyone have any predictions for these characters? I Not didn't a single even one. remember who. I honestly forgot half <laughs> of these were people in the show when I when first watched it. <laughs> It is a sad fact of the show that there are main characters who are more important, and the rest of them kind of feel like their characters added on to stuff the cast so it feels a little bigger than uh, it actually is. Like, we're not going to talk about him. I completely forgot that there was a kid who was ice skating that was relevant for, like, a, a minute. You forgot about Christina V? No, oh, I, 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 I could tell it was Christina V because I heard Killua completely. It just... <laughs> it just... <laughs> It's just, I, want I forgot that kid was even important. I don't it's even think It's baby Bakugo. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> Except he's on ice instead of fire. Well, all the all the girls want him, and he's like, shut up, you have cooties. <laughs> that, that, good point. Yeah, that's all right, true. So, so Hardy and Andrew, and did, did, you guys didn't have predictions for any of these four? Nope, 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 nope. Not a single one. Remember, I this I was watching this for the first time in the dub. So Hardy's going for this for the first time. Okay, okay, I know Hardy did the have any predictions. Okay, um, let's see. I didn't really have any predictions for Misato or Aya, but uh, for Kazu, I said Eric Kimmer because I said eh, because he has a pretty good little boy voice. And uh, for Samu, I said Julianne Taylor, because I guess I was just kind of dartboarding names, and I know she can do little boys pretty well, so. <laughs> I can I, I did a, yeah, I did a similar thing, too, in dartboarding names. Honestly, at, at least for these like, kids. half of these kids are, like, they, they need to be there for a couple of minutes, so you need somebody who can sound like a little kid, I guess. And I, ha I did have some predictions for these. I had a prediction for Aya. Um, and Aya and Kazu, because um, I I really like the Yurlai and April dub, and so I put two of the Yurlai and April. Well, actually, I think I put Yurlai and April actors all over the place. But for Aya, uh, the studious girl, she reminded me a lot of the character that Erica Harlatcher played in Yurlai and April, being this piano player who's um, is like more cold on the outside, but you can tell there's some softness on the inside. And did you also predict uh, Eric Scott Kimmer for Kazu? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yes, I did. Okay. I saw. I saw. I saw where you were going with that. Yeah. The, these. Uh. These four here were going to be a little um interesting because we know that there's a stigma of casting uh child boys in act in anime as women uh to play them in the dub. So I and I did not assume that obviously that Bang Zoom was going to go out and get child actors for this dub. So. Uh, but I assume that with Kaza's persona, that they weren't going to get a little, they weren't going to get a woman to voice him. They would get a guy, and so that's why I put Eric Scott Kimmer around there. To be fair, even in Japanese, I think they had female seiyus because this is a very dialogue-intensive show. So getting like child actors who aren't so familiar with anime dubbing would be very tricky. I I still want to live in the alternative world where like we had peanuts style acting, where it's like. Um, the, like the stilted cuts and like everything's like really wooden, but it's still kind of charming. It's like this superhero is macho. How would you kind deal with Charlie Brown trying to solve a serial murder? <laughs> Good grief! Like I said, 
I want to live in that alternative world. Good, Good grief. grief. <laughs> I found a dead girl's gloves. <laughs> Linus, what do I do with the dead child gloves I found? Let me quote Thessalonians for three hours. <laughs> All right. Linus, I found her body in the shed. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, uh. That'll be five cents, please. <laughs> Hide okay. your body, five cents. <laughs> All right, okay, uh, Jack, we're going to go to the topic. So who Okay, alright, so I ain't gonna get to the actors. I'm playing Kazu, we have Bobby Thong. For Usabu, we have Ryan Bartley. Uh, for Misato, we have Mela Lee. And then for Aya Nakanishi, we have Corina Botiger. I hope I didn't botch any of these names. If I did, I'm sorry to any of the actors involved. Okay, uh, so going down some of their roles, uh, Bobby Thong's been around for a little bit, but he doesn't have too much in the way of major roles. Uh, some of his other work includes Orkisuke Mikami from Aldoa Zero, Six from The Familiar of Zero, Spentis from Magi the Kingdom of Magic, and Go Asahi from Mob Psycho. Uh, Ryan Bartley is a newer phase that we talked about before the Mob Psycho episode, and uh, some of her other roles include Ophelia from The Asterix War, Nina from Berserk 2016, Subomi from Mob Psycho, and Yuna from the SAO movie. Uh, Melanie, on the other hand, she's been around for quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yep, and uh, some of her other work includes uh, uh, Erika Karisawa from Durara, Yuki Cross from Vampire Knight, Kaneri from Hunter x Hunter 2011, and Rin Torosaka from the Fate franchise. And as for Karina Bertiger, she's another fresher face and doesn't really have too much in the way of notable credits. Her only other named role is Anju Yuki from both seasons of Love Live. Okay, alright, so thoughts on these four? Uh, Bobby Thong is the only one that hit puberty. And <laughs> so he sounds nice and macho. The most notable thing I really have of this character is I think he has like a sort of budding thing with that Aya girl and he is sort of responsible for one of my favorite transitions in the show is where it's like he's trying to get them to talk to Kaio for the first time and he literally like pushes him into the frame of meeting Kaio outside and I'm like that's really cool. I like a lot of the directions that this show does and Tomohiko Ito is able to do some good things when he's not doing SAO things. Um, especially, especially on a minimal budget too, because I, I watched the animation on the show and it's actually kind of paltry for a TV show. I like, uh, as for Osamu, I like Ryan Bartley, but sort of like Subomi, she does literally nothing with this character. So I can't really say anything. Uh, so, same thing for Karina as Aya and Melalee is Rin Tosaka. She is the queen of bitch. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find so weird because the first time I heard her was as Erica and Dura Ra Ra, and that was like the antithesis of bitch. Wait, Erica, as it? Oh, is that the one that was uh, the otaku girl? 
the other otaku girl with who the has a thing for BL. Yeah. And oh yeah, the, that the is Professor her. Otaku haircut. Yeah, I, I love Erica. She's great. She's like one of she the is. best girls. There's a lot of places. For, <laughs> there's a lot of places for yeah. best girl, but the only answer is Celty. Fight me! No, 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 no. Durarara Dur- Dur- is like My Hero Academia. Every girl is best girl. No, that's no, not no, true. One no, no. of them wants to that- fuck their brother. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't count that one. <laughs> or or the Klingon girlfriend who actually gets the scar across her own neck just so she can get with that one guy. But whatever. Another I, I kind of admire her, honestly, but I, that's not the point. <laughs> so, uh, I, I actually, uh, sp- back to Misato, I really like how the actual beef between her and Kayo is literally just... She was showing off her pens that were so cool, <laughs> so I took it and threw it outside. And that's the most, a... like, that is exactly how children go to war, especially, like, female children. Is like, she was showing off her stuff, I threw it out. I just realized something. She was, um, yeah, that whole feud started up because... Masato had a mechanical pencil, which I didn't think very much of, but then I realized it's 1988. Who had mechanical pencils in 1988? Oh, yeah, that's true. I, <sighs> I didn't have a mechanical pencil. I, I still hate mechanical pencils, but I didn't see people using them until, like, sixth grade, which was 2001 for me. I was still a sperm in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even that. <laughs> <laughs> Hardy, you must tell us about the golden age of 1988. Well, back in my day, video games were actually just a quarter. Oh, you missed out on so much. Oh, right. You're like, Hardy's like Star-Lord to us. Oh, yeah, right. This is Japan in the 80s. Everybody's playing Dragon Quest. (laughs) Oh, they're playing the Famicom. They even had a long discussion about that. I appreciate that they said Famicom and Dragon Quest to keep it authentic. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I didn't have too many thoughts on Bobby Thong or Riley or Ryan Bartley's performances, uh, but I thought they sounded pretty fine, and I was kind of impressed that Bobby Thong was able to do a pretty believable little boy voice and not have it sound too out of place. And as far as Bella Lee goes, like, I really wanted her character to get, a, to get slapped in the face for the first few episodes, so <laughs> that pretty much speaks to how well she played that character. By the way, puberty she... hit her very nicely. Oh, yeah, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're 29! <laughs> well, shit, look, at the end, in, like, the last couple of uh, minutes of the show, they're all in their 20s. The, okay, I guess it's legal, then. <laughs> Still kind of creepy. Wait, what the fuck would you think I was saying? Well, no, I'm just referencing that Satoru kept reminding himself, Dude, you're 29. Oh, yeah. Stop thinking about your mom and the t- 11-year-old girl showering together. Well, the kid's got some issues by the end of the series, okay? <laughs> That's true. He's, he's like he's grown up twice now. Uh, so, uh, that, that was pretty much it for me. She played a zombie little girl very, very well. Uh, so, you have any thoughts, Hardy? Uh, these were background characters to me. I, they really didn't make much of an impression, if anything, so... Yeah, it's unfortunate because the um the, like the pinnacle of having a good ensemble cast is that you can close your eyes, listen to the voice acting, and be able to pinpick each uh, actor out uh, just by their performance. And everyone of these four characters, aside from Bobby, because he's got a different timbre, 
had a kind of a, a similar, I agree, background voice mentality to it. Maybe they were um, more relevant in the manga, but in the twelve episode show that this is, they are there. I kind of forget the, they're there sometimes. Melody has a great moment, uh, like calling out, "Someone took the money. We should search everyone's backpacks." And then she's done. And Aya has a great moment uh, pointing out, like, only kids make secret forts and, like, little boys play super... I bet you play superheroes, too. And then she's done. And Kazu has that great moment, like you said, pushing him into the frame or calling out how awesome superheroes are and how it's good to be macho. And then he's done. And I think Osamu had the least of anything to do I, of anyone the, we're going to mention. The best he contributes to the plot is the opening where he's playing around on a thing and he like dumps everything he had in his backpack. And that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the performance or even the character. That was in the opening. That's all he's got. I feel bad. That's, that's, that's unfortunately true. But I, I guess the best thing we can say is that if we're going to critique the acting, no one said or spoke anything that we stood out to us as being bad or misread or flat and therefore they get thumbs up from us look she, uh, yeah, but... i think misato called them floozies and she didn't call them like dirty skanks or something so that actually is like what i'd hear a little child in the 80s calling girls flocking towards the teacher yeah <laughs> which in context is very ironic when you think about it oh god We'll, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that we'll get to that anyway even out of context is kind of weird <laughs> all right okay so rounding out the rest of the kids we have he we have hiromi and kenya sugita uh hiromi is uh, another kenya, one of kenya kobayashi and hiromi sugita uh, yeah the way you sounded That's... it sounded like they were brothers it's it's i could like I couldn't find Hiromi's last name anywhere. They're spiritual brothers. <laughs> okay, so Hiromi is another one of Satoru's friends who looks a lot like a little girl, which makes him a target for the serial killer. And then Kenya is Satoru's closest childhood friend, and he's also a pretty sharp kid and kind of a little suspicious. He's CSI baby. <laughs> okay. Yep, okay. <laughs> So, okay, I mean, so... by the way, uh, let's talk about red herrings, because both of these two characters have red herrings. One is the red herring of Hiromi, because they assumed that the killer killed him because he was very feminine looking, which is revealed not to be the case later on. And second, I, I need to bring this up, e episode three is ends with Kenya talking to the teacher, looking very distraught and upset, I, on the first watch, that bugged me, but I was curious if there was some context to what that meant in the second rewatch. I watched it a second time. That scene means nothing. I don't understand what that scene meant. I assume that meant he was supposed to be sketchy, or he was maybe feeding the teacher info, or like he was trying to lead Satoru astray. None of that happens. What's the point of that stinger at the end of episode three? I, like I said, I honestly don't remember that, so... Little kids remember, have problems I, sometimes. They do. Watch it like that big stinger at the end was just like, I'm sad that like mommy hits daddy or something like that. Well, here's the thing is that um, after that episode, the teacher starts having one-on-one -on -one conversations with Satoru as an 11-year-old kid. Uh, we're kind of, I think we're meant to assume that um, he kind that um, Kenya kind of 
tipped the teacher off a bit to something's going on, and I think Satoru is involved with it. Because Kenya caught on pretty early on that the Satoru who goes back in time and is uh, looks like an 11-year-old, but obviously a 29-year-old, was acting more mature. So okay. if I had to assume, it was just supposed to set up the connection of now Satoru is going to be talking to the teacher a little bit more, and it's not going to seem so weird. Because what fifth grade teacher just has one-on-one -on -one conversations with one of his students about abuse and... Okay. Anything else is going on. That's that's the closest thing I can really go off of right now. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, that's a pretty reasonable take. Uh, so, any predictions for these two? Uh, I... Honestly, I was thinking about it. I actually think I did predict uh, Erica Mendez for uh, Kenya when I was doing these. I think I predicted Erica or Christina V because I was thinking going and Kilua. Okay, uh, did you have anything, Noah? I did. Um, I, uh, for uh, Hiromi, I thought it might be Christina V. Um, I don't think I had, I think it was because I just had a blank spot next to Hiromi, and I knew that they were going to cast a woman to play this character, although a part of me kind of wished that they had cast a male actor who could just sound uh, very effeminate, just, just like to add like a little more touch of believability to it. But obviously, that's not where they were going. So I was like, they're probably going to cast a woman, and they're probably going to cast Christina V. Now, as for Kenya, that was one where I was absolutely sure that they were going to cast a male actor because he's uh, the more mature of the group of kids uh, in looks and action. And it would make more sense to me to have a male actor with a higher-pitched voice, obviously. And so Kyle McClary was the one who, again, I'm pulling from the Early in April dub, who I thought had the timbre which would be able to match uh, voicing Kenya. It'd be a little different from what he did in Your Lion April. Like, now he's playing serious CSI baby. But that's... Uh, he surprised me with everything else he's done so far. So I didn't think it would be past him to pull off. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, he, I mean hey, he was a child... He was a child soldier in Iron Mother Orphan, so anything's possible. And he was also a <laughs> precious cinnamon roll in Mob Psycho 100. Yeah, um... Okay, as for me, I said, uh... For Hiromi, Brianna Knickerbocker, um, <laughs> uh, uh, mostly because, uh, like, the bits I heard of her, like, Dara Ron, some other stuff, she does, like, cute characters pretty well. She's uh, the so little, she's was, like half the little sisters in Fire Emblem Fates. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, so I figured that would work pretty well. And then for Kenya, I said Amanda Miller because I really like her little boy voice. It always sounds, like, really kind of confident. And firm, so I figured that would work really well for Kenya. Alright. Okay, and actually playing these two for Hiromi, we have Christine Marie Cabanos, and for Kenya, we have Erica Mendez. How in the world did you get that, Andrew? I literally was just thinking, uh, Erica, I was thinking Hunter Hunter, which is actually really funny that Erica Mendez is playing Kenya, because Kenya's more of a Killua-type character in my mind. And Gon is playing a character like Killua, which is funny to me. Actually, uh, it... Yeah, go on. There's another thing I want to mention. Don't these two actually get to hit puberty at some point? It's they a, do. Ah, uh, uh, yes, they do. Alright. Okay, so... Going down their roles really quick. Uh, Christine Marie Cabados is another name I'm kind of surprised we haven't mentioned before. We've mentioned and her before. 
Wait. Oh. Have we? I've talked Wait. about her a bunch in Danganronpa 3. Ah, okay. I didn't think I saw that one, so that's probably why. Uh, okay, uh, so you know her for roles such as Shemi Moriyama from Blue Exorcist, Bako Bonchok from Kill a Kill. Best girl. As Sailor Saturn from the Viz Redub of Sailor Moon. And, of course, Madoka Kaname from the Madoka Magica TV anime and films. And as for Erica Mendez, at this oh point, if you don't know who she is, you probably haven't been paying much attention to dubs at all recently. That uh, woman is a voice acting witch. Some of her other roles include Aladdin from Magi the Labyrinth of Magic, um, Haruka Tenjo slash Sailor Aratus from the Viz Redub of Sailor Moon, Gone Freaks from Hunter x Hunter, Deanne from The Seven Deadly Sins, Nico from Love Live, and Ryuka Matoi from Kill the Kill. And then, on a quick side note, it's probably worth noting that we actually do get adult versions of these characters later on. And uh, for adult Hiromi, we have Kyle McCarley. And for adult Kenya, we have Xander Mobis. Joker uh, himself. <laughs> yep, uh, Kyle McCarley, you know for roles such as Siji Matoi from Fate Say Night and Limited Blade Works, Dr. Ogura and Aji Demihuman. Mikazuki from Gundamar Blood and Orphans, and Bob from Bob Psycho 100. Uh, as for Xander Mobis, some of his roles include Sergei Straka from Tales of the Syria of the X, Sakurai from Bob Psycho 100, Young Madara Uchiha from Naruto Shippuden, and then for all you JRPG fans out there, as Andrew just mentioned, he's a voice of the protagonist in Persona 5. Yep. So, uh... What should we? Uh, who wants to go first about these characters? Since we actually have things to say about these two, uh, I just want to point out that um, both of these characters. Uh, uh, for Hiromi, I didn't think I was going to be getting too much out of it because um, Hiromi doesn't get as many lines uh, as uh, Kenya does, and it's uh, it's kind of somewhat generic dialogue. It also kind of bugs me a little bit that in this whole setup of trying to prevent kids from getting killed, Satoru's main focus is. I want to protect Kayo, the kid I know nothing about, but I'm not so concerned about Hiromi, the person who I actually hung out with and considered to be a friend. Oh, it kind of bugged me a little bit. I think it's because Kayo was first on the chopping block. I, I don't know, but I, I think that was just a weakness in the writing. But uh, anyway, uh, Christine's Hiromi is um, is well done. It's it's competent. It sounds like a girl because it's voiced by a girl. But I am bugged a little bit by the fact that they so obviously, like, not only coded her gay in the end, or not gay, I'm sorry, coded her female, him female, I need words, I'm sorry, coded him female in the animation, but by giving him a female voice actress as well, uh, made it, like, like less of a, I don't know, like, um, less believable. Because we never really find out if Hiromi's androgynousness is by choice or biology or what have you. That's, uh, okay, I mean, when we get to the adult version, I mean, he sounds pretty clearly like a dude, so... And is married. True. With a and kid. And is married. With a kid. And procreated, that is true. And procreated. So, fun, fa fun I, fact, I get... when I first watched the show, I thought that was Kenya's kid. Yeah, uh, you would uh, think, uh, wouldn't uh, you? Uh, you yeah, would I, thought, I thought that too. <laughs> but so, I, I get that doesn't uh, bug me so much because this is a character who doesn't have as much dialogue. I guess I'm just thinking like I, I want something a little more experimental. Like, could we get a character? Could we get an actor who 
uh, can play an androgynous child actor. And now I think about it, that pitch may be a little too difficult for any human being to pull off. Um, okay. Uh, Hero, I like Christine Marie Cabanos a lot as an actress, and I think at the very least, with this particular character, while it was supposed to, like, they, they were all supposed to be little boys, so most of them didn't even know, like, what puberty was then, and they were still kind of growing and developing. But I think Hiromi, in general, was just a more particularly, like, feminine-esque character, so the higher, more feminine-style voice works for me with that character in my mind. Either way, I just think I like Christine's voice a lot, and, and that really helps sell me that Hiromi is precious and adorable and deserves a good plate of cookies. And, you know, just is adorable. Uh, as for uh, Erica Mendez as Kenya, I really really like Erica Mendez as an actress, and I was particularly impressed with uh, her as Kenya. She actually, like, mentioned this was... Like, she's more accustomed to playing little boy roles before she got cast in things like uh, Kill a Kill and Your Lie in April and Seven Deadly Sins, where she actually was cast as, like, the like tomboys or the girly girls, which is interesting. This is like going back to her roots. So she was very well equipped to do this and I think she does great as Kenya. I totally agree. And it was nearly unrecognizable to me because I'm not as familiar with her in her boy voices. Like I haven't watched uh, Seven Deadly Sins or um, Hunter Hunter yet. Um, but mostly because not only is her timbre different from what I'm used to, but also her speech pattern is completely different from any of the other kids too. She's got, got this it's almost like a rasp, but it's more of a, um, how do I describe it? It's, it's just a very, um, serious little boy voice. It's very, it's very fun to listen to. As I, as, as, uh, yeah, I was uh, pretty happy with these two as well. As I, uh, da, 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 da. God, I gotta find my notes. Do, do you have anything <laughs> negative to add to it? Because we're, we're just, like, praising all the wazoo here. I gotta find out who took my notes. I gotta find out <laughs> yeah. who killed my friend. Okay, yep, so as far as Hiromi goes, like, I had a really hard time believing that character was actually a little boy, so that Christine Marie Cavados did a darn good job on that one. As I add, uh, as for Kenya, like, I really like how interesting of a character he turned out. Because I like how at first you're kind of supposed to think he's, like, really shady or whatever. And then it kind of turns out, like, no, he's just a kid that's really mature for his age. And he's a very good boy that must be protected. Um, and it was really interesting to see Erica Mendez in this kind of role because uh, she does, she's in her fair share of little boy voices at this point. Uh, but they're usually more, like, hyperactive, like, uh, your Gongs or your Aladdins. Uh, so seeing her play this more mature kid was kind of a nice little change of pace. And, uh, she did it pretty well. It also kind of made me wonder if this is what her Killua would have sounded like had she been Killua. But, uh, that didn't happen. But, so, uh, this was pretty interesting. I did really like Erica Mendez's portrayal as Kenya. It was... I've heard her as little boys before, but this was sort of a different departure. Uh, Kenya is more of a laid-back type, whereas most of the other little boys, like Aladdin or um, I think Gone, are more excitable and, and playful. Kenya's just sort of got this laid-back uh, attitude towards him. 
And as far as Christine, uh, she doesn't really play little boys that often. So it was interesting hearing Hiromi be very, very effeminate and yet still be believable that he was actually male. And so I have to give props to them uh, for their performances there. I also really think that when they do grow up, the two male actors did really respectable jobs. Like Hiromi with, with what's his name, Kyle McCarley's performance, you could tell that Hiromi was definitely masculine, but he still had sort of that boyish charm to him, even though he was grown up. And uh, Kenya was still very much... He had, was much more mature. He had a much deeper sounding to his voice. All in all, I think they did a really good job. I agree. So. 11 out of 10, would crime fight again? I hadn't actually thought about that, that it is a much more subdued male voice that Erica plays because she's played a lot of eccentric kids. Like, yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. Thank you. Yep. All right. So next up, we have a tale of two mothers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We have Best Mom and Worst Mom with Sachiko Fujinuma and Akemi Hinazuki. I I I want to get through mom predictions quick because I need to talk about who's cast in uh, as one of them. Okay, so Sachiko is Satoru's mother who used to work as a reporter, and she's usually pretty good about looking out for her son. While Akemi is a super abusive mom who beats on her daughter Kylo constantly, and is basically just a really terrible person. So, uh... She is trailer trash. Yep. Quite okay, literally. Uh, <laughs> Alright, uh, so my predictions for these two, I was extremely lazy on these, actually. Uh, awesome. for, okay, uh, for Sachiko, I said Wendy Lee, because... I, I figured you would. <laughs> I totally figured it. <laughs> <laughs> and because when you need someone to play a mother figure in California stuff, you pretty much go to Wendy Lee. And for, okay, and for Akemi, I went equally lazy. I said lower post because Ragyu Q you win. I also said <laughs> I also I also said Laura Post because Ragyo Kiryuin. And as for Sachiko, oh. I did not have a prediction. I just said and I quote Whoever can make me feel funny down there. Oh my. I mean, look, do you see that woman? Do you see that woman? <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, I know you have a thing for women with enlarged lips, but you have to stop. Wait, a woman who can cook good curry is not a viable form of a relationship. <laughs> I think Andrew just let his inner Oedipus out. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does it have to do with the lips? She's just hot. <laughs> I, that, that was the character design feature that stuck out to me the most. I'm, I'm, yeah, like, yeah, 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 same here. Actually, have lips. Actually, both the moms do. Like, they have like noticeably larger lips than your average middle-aged woman do. Like, usually middle-aged women get lines on their cheeks to indicate their age, but in this case, they gave them fuller lips for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just because all of A1 Pictures' moms look the same. It was kind of I nice to mix it up a I little bit. I think that's more of an A1 Pictures character design thing. But, okay. We need to talk about who these people are because we need to well, get... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Put, your, put your spoon down, young man. You haven't given me a chance to speak yet. I hate okay, this yeah, family. We, we... Okay, yeah, what were your predictions, Noah? <laughs> okay, so, again, I you said you were lazy. I'm going to be even lazier. So... 
we did the Year Lie in April episode a year ago, and we are going to bring back the exact same cast members to play the exact same characters in this one as well. So for Sachiko, I put Carrie Karanen, who was the ultra cool piano prodigy friend of the main character's mom in that show. Basically the same thing too. It's like a, stays the same age of like mid twenties level cool throughout her entire life, and you should know where this is going then by that logic. Who do you think I put down as Kayo's mom? <laughs> Wendy Lee. I put motherfucking Wendy Lee as abusive. Bitch, I will cut you and then stuff your face in a bucket of ice water, Lee. <laughs> I do not, by the way, I'm just going to say this. I do not buy the fact that that mother actually loved his kid. That's some, I don't buy that. And you are right. You are probably right. Like, I know it's fiction and we can't bring her out here to interview, but I think you are right. I don't think she actually loved her kid. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. Yes. So getting into actual actors here. <laughs> uh, for Satika, we have Sarah Cravens. And for Akemi, we have Carrie Carradine. Oh, Juice when you said that, I was like, all, what? <laughs> Carrie? <laughs> Carrie's the bad guy in this one. <laughs> who looks like who she made this? looks like she lost her way. Uh, <laughs> you know, okay, Hardy, I give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I do have Does some it. use in this episode after all. Okay, uh, so Sarah Cravens is a pretty new face to anime, and this was actually her first role that I can tell. Uh, her only other notable role was later on being Child Emperor and One Punch Man. Uh, Carrie Carradine, on the other hand, has been around for a very long time, oh, and some yeah. of her other work includes Maya and Fate Zero, Mimi Tomoe from the Madoka Magica franchise, Casta from Berserk, and as Andrew so lovingly mentioned, Satsuki Kiyoin from Kill a Kill. Satsuki, you pig in human clothing, Kiyoin. Holy shit. Yeah. This was, uh, th this was quite a trip. Oh, mama. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> can we theorize that the mangaka had some parent issues when he was making the story? Uh, it, uh, in regards to the fact that Akemi is basically a cartoon villain of an abusive parent, or the, oh, fact, that, no. or the fact that Sachiko is so ridiculously perfect hot. Sachiko is perfect hot, but, um, unfortunately, I have been forced to watch a lot of Steve Wilkos in the past week, because my wife found an app on the Roku TV called Nosy that lets you stream all of Steve Wilkos and Maury and Jerry Who's Springer Steve and all Wilkos? that good stuff. Who's Steve Wilkos? Exactly. You should keep it that way. It's a talk show where people, where abusive people or people in like bad relationships can like vent their frustrations to a studio audience. And there were plenty of parents in that show who would fit in right at home with the Kemi. So when you say cartoon character, let me show you a whole bunch of cartoon characters in real life. Oh boy. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> To just you need to save me. To reference Andrew, you ever watch Jerry Springer? I don't, and I feel. Have you ever for... watched it before? I, yes. Okay, you know the big bald security guard that was always there. Yes. That's Steve Wilkos. He actually got his own talk show. 
Yeah. He's actually quite legit. Like, he doesn't mm -hmm. try to fan the flame so much like Jerry did. He, he, he's more about talk down to the people, but get... He, he was a cop, if that gives you any indication, okay. before he was a security guard. I see what you mean. Okay. It's not... Yes. His show isn't as off-the-wall crazy as Jerry's was, but, yeah, it's still same kind of concept. Gotcha. Hardy, you just warm my heart that you actually know the pain I'm going through right, right. now. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's probably because I used to watch Jerry Springer for entertainment back when I was a little kid, just to see how absolutely oh. insane it was, but, yeah. That explains so much about the last 79 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever episode we're on. I lost track. We will be 80-something at this point. We're on the road to 100 episodes, and we're on the road to 1,000 subs. Help us get there. Like, favorite, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We just okay. do our job. Yes. Yeah. If, we, if we reach 1,000 subs before the end of the month, I will watch all of Diabolic Lovers. <gasps> Any, do it anyways do it. i think we need to get back on track yeah so, yes, okay please. yeah let's yeah let's get back on track please all right uh so i gotta say that for her first anime role i was really impressed by sarah craven's performance like she did a really great job of making this character sound very kind of down to earth and i really thought her delivery was very natural even during some of the more dramatic moments mm -hmm. um so by all means i really hope she gets more work because i was really impressed here i agree and uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, as for Carrie Carradine, <laughs> like, like it was really funny that she was, it was really funny that she was cast in this one, and not just for the Satsuki thing, but also because this was probably like right after she was in Your Lie in April, where yeah. she was the good, where she was the good mom in that show. Hubby, so, hubby. <laughs> well, well, to be, she had her, she had her fair share of moments where she got a little, a uh, little abusive too. Look, look, I just gotta say, I just gotta say, the hubby in the. The Hubby is a Dubby song gets a lot less cute in this show. Yep, but I gotta say, Carrie Carradine, she made the character sound like a real deadbeat. And she, it, she gave it just the right amount of slime without making it sound too over the top. And, and I think it's definitely a, it's definitely a pl plus because, for the most part, the show's kind of pretty grounded in that respect. And uh, when it comes to the character herself, like, I kind of rolled my eyes at that whole, like, last-minute sob story. Uh, but I kind of agree with what's a Okay. I, I, I kind of agreed with what's a Toru thought that it was probably mostly just an act. In fairness. But <laughs> in fairness, I do think that is a thing that does, in fact, happen. That's a... Oh, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing that happens. I just don't think it really excuses anything. I don't, I'm not saying it excuses it. I'm just saying I do believe that is, in fact a thing that happened that would lead Akemi down that particular dark path. And I think and what roots Carrie's performance in this is so much is that she doesn't play like a cartoon character. She's like, she's got a little bit of a Boston accent. It sounds like at first, but it's that kind of, it's like a terrifying voice of someone who's, uh, whose entire reason for raising a daughter is like out of inertia almost and doesn't have, any scrap of motherly affection at all and it believable enough like you said a cartoon character would absolutely ruin this world like if you had like um i don't know like uh, some of the cartoon characters on the boondocks who are like caricatures of stereotypes or any other show on adult swim that we shouldn't mention ever again this was not that this was dramatic scary and almost sympathetic if not for the fact that she was torturing an 11 year old girl who throws an 11 year old girl in the shed for god's sakes I, 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 don't think, I don't think the show really wants me to be sympathetic for the mother. I think the show at least wants me to understand the mother. 
I don't think I'm meant to agree or sympathize or say, woe was me, I get why you beat your daughter and never fed her. It's like, no, she's a piece of shit person, but I think, I, I laugh because I can't take away the fact that uh, Satsuki Kiryuin became the bad mother in this timeline, but I think Carrie's fucking fantastic when it comes to this, and I also agree that Sarah Cravens is really strong, and I'd like to see her more things. It's it's really easy to uh, to like over enunciate your words and feel like you're reading off of a script when you're ADRing something. And that's a mistake a lot of first timers make. And I was kind of worried she would do that when I found out that she was a newcomer. But no, she it's basically she doesn't even sound like she's reading off of a script. She's pretty much just speaking. It's like I'm sitting in a bar next to her and she's telling me about how hey kiddo, um, uh, you know uh, if you. Uh, do, do I need to switch trains to get to a different town? Or I, I want to go sightseeing. Sarah did a really, really great job as um, as uh, as awesome mom in her in what was technically her first role. I'd like to hear a lot more of her, and uh, she she sounded really natural, and she's probably my favorite character in the entire show. Um, and I've heard Carrie Kieran and lose it before. I've watched some of her older media blaster dubs, like even as Casca when she's gotten a bit in the crazy mode. So we can always count on her to just put a really you know crazy out there angry performance so that was really nice satsuki is composed anger but yeah i see your point Mm -hmm. that really surprised me that that carrie's been around this long because i'm just now noticing the shows that she's been in i'm like wow i needed to pay way more attention to media blaster dubs Mm -hmm. i I don't feel too bad i haven't seen any of those dubs either well i mean she was in berserk yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I knew she was in Berserk, but that was basically it. By the way, can we talk about well, the fact that like she was basically doing exclusive physical therapy for fifteen years? <laughs> it's dedication. You like, know. I'm pretty sure if I if it, I was at that point, I'm pretty sure the plug would have been pulled a few years prior. <laughs> Andrew, don't worry. If you go into a coma, we promise to pull the plug if you're not awake in five years. Yeah, no, I'll pretty much pull it in five months. <laughs> wow! It's good to know you, I, I matter so much. <laughs> I, I, could just see, I could just see it now. We're, we're all standing around the hospital bed, all 13 of us, and Hardy goes to pull the plug, and he's looking at us like, isn't anyone going to stop me? And we're like... Yeah, Honestly, look, look, look. We can feel bad, or we can go get wings. That's Hardy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Thursday night, but, you know, 60 cents. It's Thursday night. night. I have no time for you being dead. <laughs> okay. Boneless wings wait for no one. Oh, God. Now, now keep, it, keep in mind, if he's, if he's dead, that's one less person to split the bill with. Okay, yeah. this guy's fucking dark. And we're talking about abusive parents. <laughs> Who yeah. don't feed people. Oh, God. Yep, uh, Who don't... <laughs> I'm sure Kayo would love some boneless wings. Please feed yep. Kayo boneless wings. She deserves it. She's a good girl. <laughs> yep. She, but, All right, okay. the boneless wings, just feed her a cup, something more than a cup of ramen, for God's sakes. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Looks like Move things got pretty Jake. dark here. Yeah. Okay. Things got pretty dark here, so we'll lighten things up a bit as we get into some of our major characters. Uh, first up, we have Irie Katagiri. Irie is a high schooler who works at Satoru's part-time job and decides to help him while he's on the lam after she gets to know him a little bit better. Uh, so, any predictions for Irie? Yeah, it's funny you said that we're going to lighten things up a little bit because uh, lighten things up a little bit is also what happens to Irie's house. Oh, you walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, I can't be mad at that. That was perfect. <laughs> That was quite right. the burn you gave us, Noah. Oh, uh, okay, and now you ruined it, Hardy. Yeah, Thank you. Hey, hey, it's okay, you know, you smoke them if you got them. Yeah. Ah, oh, you and your dad jokes, sir. I'm fired, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so again, any predictions for Irie? Irie really sets my heart aflame. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's adorable. Did you have a prediction, Andrew? Uh, who did I have? Uh, I think I had Erica Harlatcher for this one, actually. Harlocker. Har Harlocker, is that how you say it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Jet, can I borrow your fedora real quick? Oh, God damn it! You're doing this bit? Yes. Fucking... Yes. Let me put on my fedora real quick. <clears throat> well, actually... <laughs> yes, it is pronounced Harlocker. Okay, yes. Erica Harlocker. Right. If it makes you feel better, Andrew, I mispronounced it earlier, too. So I'll take that fedora as well. That's, that's, okay, well, it's funny you mentioned her because I had another Erica down here. I said Erica Lindbeck. Another uh, fair mostly, choice. Okay, mostly because, again, this was, like, right after your line April, and I really liked her performance in that show. So I kind of want to see her do another energetic teenage girl. Mm-hmm. That would work. <laughs> I, um, tell you what, I will top you. I will go with uh, one energetic female actress and top you with another one, Kira Buckland. Yeah, I can see it. I can yeah. see that. The the uh, one that caught me the most, or that reminds me the most, is she plays the main character in Lagrange: The Flower of Rene, and she's also got this like peppy, over the top, way too optimistically happy to help convicted criminals out than she probably should be, which. Pretty much the same thing as she played in Lagrange as well. Is Lagrange the one that has that scene that's really fucked up that nobody talks about, or is that uh, another Mecca show? No, You're that's Valbrave. A lot no, more no, specific. No, 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 definitely not Lagrange. Okay, You're I, thinking I, of Valbrave. I think of Valbrave. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you are. No, Lagrange is the is um it's kind of fan service heavy. It's it's it's, like, it's robots it's, and lesbians. It's yeah, basically, basically what happened when um uh, who made that? Was it Production IG who made that one? It was Production IG and Zebek because yeah, they're okay. both pretty much the Production same. IG needed a paycheck. Got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's robots and lesbians, basically. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, actually, playing Irie, we have Jeremy Lee. And uh, Jeremy Lee is another voice actress whose work pretty much stretches um, into infinity. And uh, some of her notable roles include Sarada Uchiha from the Boruto movie. Minika Ido slash Sailor Venus for the Viz redub of Sailor Moon. Lucy Hartfilia from Fairy Tale for anyone going through the year of Fairy Tale right now. And of course, Asuna from Sword Out Online. You know what I've come to realize about Jeremy? I love her as an actress, but she plays the biggest, like, 50 50 of characters I love and characters I despise. It's kind of fascinating. 
Because <laughs> for every Makoto Nijima, there's a Mika Shimotsuki. <laughs> it's really but funny. But she doesn't play them badly. You just don't like the way the characters are written. Right? I, I love her voice, but Mika Shimotsuki is the fucking worst ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> and Asuna ain't much better, to be perfectly honest. Asuna's fine. She's just light novel lead girl. That's true. I, I can't get a hate on for Asuna. She doesn't do anything wrong. And Lucy's great. The show just treats her dirty. <laughs> so, so how does the show treat uh, her in this show? Uh, I think the that show forgets that she's a character half the time and or it kind of try. I'll say this. This show has what I think a trouble with finding its lead heroine question mark because there's like you've got the mother you've got Kayo and you've got Irie and outside of the mother all of them are like a lot younger than like this isn't a romantic show at all it is a pure on drama I just know when it comes to like discussions of pairings back when the show was a thing that led to some odd conversations so to speak Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, which is why I'm kind of glad with how the show actually ends on that respect. I appreciate it, too, but there's something <laughs> I gotta bring up later. Anyways, uh, Irie as, uh, Jeremy Lee as Irie, uh, Jeremy is fantastic as Irie. She's bubbly but serious when she needs to punch a manager in the fucking face, uh, but she's a, she's a good person, wants to believe in her friends, wants to believe in, in her, wants to believe in people. And I really like that she does bestow this hope and confidence in this guy who is down and broken. And I really enjoy her. This role is, like, pretty much Jeremy Lane, her usual element. And uh, she does a pretty jolly job here. Like, she's always been really good at playing teenage girls. And she definitely brings a lot of energy to the performance. I mean, there wasn't, like, too much here that really stood out to me compared to some of her other teen girl roles. But she's always really good at those. And I really like this character. Uh, her backstory was kind of a little bit melodramatic, but I found her pretty endearing, and I really liked her dynamic with Satoru. And I thought her optimism kind of played off pretty well against uh, his more cynical nature. Uh, so, I mean, like, I mean, like, it wasn't quite, like, my standout role here, but I was really happy with Jeremy Lay, and I'm always up for hearing her and stuff. Yeah, I, um, I really like Jeremy in this role as well. It's a typical Jeremy Lee role, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, she captures Irie's innocence and um, sort of energy really, really well, and I think it was a very good performance. Jet said you said that uh, you wouldn't call this the standout or your favorite uh, performance in the cast, right? As a, as a, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot, but it wasn't like the it wasn't like my big standout here. Yeah. Okay. I I, I don't know if I put it at the top either. Um, that, that's a high pedestal to put, but it's it's definitely close. It's either second or third for me, mostly because. Um, we'll talk about this a little more when we get to him, but Satoru's motivation doesn't quite, like, he doesn't seem to quite have a motivation, like, he doesn't have a backstory or something that, like, drives him to do what he does, but we have one specifically for Irie, and it was good that Jeremy kind of captured the dimensions of that as you peg her for just being this bubbly, optimistic girl with dreams, but we get a little further into her, and she also captures the, uh, the justice-feeling side of her, that, that mentality of... I would feel terrible if uh, I was accused of stealing a candy bar 
and I lost my job and my wife over it, and I wouldn't want to see that happen to anyone ever again. So that, that explains why she's got this upbeat mentality, which no one else in the cast has. She's the only one, maybe aside from Sachiko, who has a sense, who like instills our main character with a sense of why you need to put yourself on the line to save the lives of others. Also, remember, her story was in Japan, in the sticks, where everybody knew everybody. So it's like, if you were, like, suddenly rumors went around that you were, in fact, like, a thief and a liar, that spreads quickly. So the fact that he stuck to his guns and everybody kept circulating that he was a liar and stuff probably messed with him and that dynamic a lot, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. All right. But, but we don't have that a lot. We don't have that sense of fighting, of sticking up for yourself uh, in the name of um, just because you've got a good moral compass to it. Like, a lot of people would cave and say, yeah, sure, I, I you know, I took that candy bar. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's the money back. Um, can we just be pals again, even though you didn't actually do it? I, that That's something I would never do. It's just, I, I, I get the, I get yeah. the logic. But I am the type of person where it's like I would want to resolve something quickly. Uh, That's just me. Well, either way, Jeremy did a great job on this one, and I'm really glad that she fills a niche in the cast that no one else had. The the optimistic, bubbly, believable source of moral compass, I guess. Um, And and it's just kind of a shame that, like you said, we don't quite have a focus on who's the main heroine. But the way that the story jumps around, I think it's okay. Like she's used just as much as she needs to be. I actually told she. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually told she that. does more in the manga, but I have no. I know nothing about the manga. Yeah, I mean, I thought she was pretty well utilized here for like what she was given. What What's a mango? Uh, I don't know. I think it's like something <laughs> it's related you... to animu. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, those uh, Chinese cartoons, right? Right. Right. <laughs> All right. right. Okay. Alright, so we're moving on and... Is it time now, for me to get my gloves? Uh, and your spray bottle? it's time. Yep, now it's time oh. to come. It's time to come to Gaku Yashiro. A.K.A. Okay. the single okay, most controversial thing okay. in this show. By yeah. a mile. Yep, okay. So, Yashiro is Satoru's friendly elementary school teacher who... Helps him in trying to get Kai away from her abusive mother. And for a while, he's the closest thing Satoru has to a father figure. And big spoilers in three, two, one. He's the serial killer. Who and he was Luke's father. That... And they were on Earth the whole time. It's it's one of those things where the reveal of him being the thing was the moment I realized, and many other people realized, this isn't really a mystery. Because this mystery is pretty weak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We everyone saw it coming a a mile away. Honestly, it's yeah. it's after a while it becomes pretty obvious. That's yeah. why it, when he was it, in the car by himself, it's like you are a twenty nine year old man. I know you respect this guy, but at some point you're like, okay, kid, you're smarter than this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anyone have any predictions for Yashiro? Uh, a, a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Noah? Right. 
um, a dick. Let's see. Well, we're going off that logic. Okay. Um. So uh, I put um, Dick Cheney as the <laughs> one who's gonna voice him. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Let's put an um, actual uh, prediction in there. What about uh, Spike Spencer? Why? I feel he could do Crazy Man. Yeah, he can. Yes, he can. Um. Okay, that, that, that's your official prediction. That is, as of, honestly, my official <laughs> prediction for this character was, uh, go fuck yourself. So, let's put something in there. Excellent, excellent. Go fuck yourself at, uh, nevergonnabeseeingyouagain.com. Awesome. So, um, speaking of that, um, when you think of total asshole characters who have been in Bang Zoom dubs in the past couple of years, there is one in particular that comes to mind... And he is, let's see, uh, he is, um, well, let's just say that uh, he loves humanity, but he is an asshole to oh my the characters God. in Dura, Ra, Oh, so, you're go- he is an asshole. Oh, yes, boy. Andrew, yes, we are going back in time to the number one asshole who ever set foot in Japan. It is Johnny Young Boss. Okay, to be fair, to be fair to uh, Yashiro, Technically, he's a he is not as big an asshole as uh, Isaiah because when you technically think about it, he doesn't actually kill people in the other timeline. Uh, he would have if uh, that girl had jumped off the bridge and if Selty wasn't there to save her. Okay, no, no, no. He... I'm saying Yashiro. Uh, didn't Yashiro. Kill Yash- oh. Yashiro had already killed in other cities before moving there. Oh, did he? So yes. he had a body count. Okay, that's the part I didn't remember actually. Yeah. And, e- and even so, you know, if, if we're working in time travel logic, he still gets a couple of life sentences for prior time travel. Time travel is weird. This whole show is time yeah. travel is weird. You need the but time baby pro- from, uh, is it time, is time baby from, uh, Gravity Falls or regular show? I, I do not remember. Gravity, gra- uh, sorry, I, I fell out of watching Gravity Falls, so I don't remember if that's the one it's from, but I don't think it's from regular show. You should watch that. Anyways, uh, Yashiro is a shithole. And I love you, Johnny, so much. And everything you've done is well, almost, yeah. Everything you've voiced is fantastic. And I can't, couldn't think of anybody else who could possibly play this asshole than you, sir. Please don't hurt me. Isaiah yep. deserved everything that was coming for him, and even then, it's still too good for him. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't get nearly as bad of a punishment as he deserved. Oh yeah, uh, God, yeah. Uh, 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 okay, so uh, speaking of pricks, I went with a similar route to yours. Except I wasn't thinking Isaiah. I was thinking everyone's favorite prick, Dio Brando. So of course <laughs> I said. <laughs> so of course I said Patrick Oh my god! Sykes. Oh my god! This would have been so fun if you that th- was Dio. <laughs> you thought it. You thought it was. I, you thought it was the mom who killed them, but it was I, Dio. <laughs> you thought it was Yuki, but it was I, Yashiro. <laughs> real talk. Oh god, so, real talk. someone paint that now. Real talk, I feel Dio would actually be great in politics. <laughs> like, maybe he is. Uh, we'll never know. He takes a politician for a ride. Literally. <laughs> yes, he does. So, okay, so Jet, we, oh, wait, we had three great guesses from us. Clearly one of those must have been the guy who voices the main villain of the show, right? Okay, nope. Playing Yashiro, we have David W. Collins, who appears to be another rel- 
relatively new name on the scene. Uh, his only other named anime role that I could find was Ring Mustachio in One Punch Man. And I'm pretty sure that was recorded after this dub. So for all intents and purposes, it seemed that was, this was like his first big break. So well, what do we think of his performance? I just want to point out that, yes, this is his first anime role, but he's done a lot of stuff for Star Wars. Oh, yeah, I know he had like a lot of video game I, roles. It, I think they actually reveal <laughs> what it is on his Behind the Force actor. I think he actually has a job at LucasArts. Oh, he wow. must, because his entire pre-anime credits are basically all Star Wars-based. Uh, I'm going to look that up right now behind the voice. Uh, give me a second. In the meantime, uh, Hardy, what do you think about David Newcomer Collins as skis bag, candy munchin, uh, child freezing, uh, I, I'm running out of adjectives, yeah. McGee? He was definitely the killer at the first moment I saw him. And he definitely, he plays, in, earlier in the show, he plays the sort of... Uh, paternal figure that's you know you can you trust him but there's something kind of off about him that you can tell and later on when he goes full-on crazy he does it rather well to where it's just not like he's jumping up and down and 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 twirling his mustache no it's something very unsettling about it i, I really appreciate it you know you could tell he was out there, but he was still composed. He was still very methodical. He was very... He knew what he was doing. So, yeah, I think they did a really, he did a really good job at that aspect. Also, I have the fact that he is the lead sound designer and voice director with LucasArts. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Uh, so as for me, like... Alright, okay, so I had a lot of problems with this character, like... The show got, like, I mean, the show got a little bit heavy-handed in some of, some areas, like some of the bits with Kyle's mom and Iris backstory, but for the most part, the show was pretty grounded. And then we got to Yashiro's reveal as a killer, and it was about seven minutes of just pure, unadulterated anime. Like, and it... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, it was clear that there was some sort of unspoken supernatural element in this show... And I think Gaku Yashiro kind of forced that in your face to remember that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even unspoken. The man can literally go back in time. And so the supernatural elements had been in there since episode one. So, yeah, the man sees spider threads above people's I, heads that, that, wants, that forces him to kill them. But, I mean, is that really such a big surprise? I, if I, such, or, Sorry. If Satoru can go back in time, I mean, I mean, honestly, I don't know if the spider thread thing was supposed to be like an actual power. If that was just like his insanity, I think it might have just been like insanity or something. I think the thing that was kind of weird, like if it, if it was just like a, it was if it was just an urge, like this was somebody who is just a killer at heart urge, like which in a, in a way that kind of is his deal, but then it's like. He sort of went crazy and saw these w threads and thought, it is my sworn duty to kill these people. Is a little bit odd. It's more like a coping mechanism because the... Okay, when people have Isn't it more urges or ticks... It kind of is, but okay, it's following me on this rabbit trail. People who have urges or ticks to do things that we may see as like unnatural, and that person themselves knows that they're unnatural will tend to psychologically create a justification for it. So, yes, yeah, so you're right, it's justification. Even if it's something that's completely out there as bonkers, like they could say something like, it's in my uh, manifest destiny, or 
talking two-legged dog told me to do this. Just like, in a sense of why you do this, I did not find the spider thread thing to be so far out there. It, you know, it was like in line with uh, his craziness to begin with. And anyone who agrees to be an elementary school teacher already has to be kind of crazy. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll oh, sorry. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'll continue my thoughts really quick. Like, it's, okay, like, to just continue. I mean, I know he was a serial killer, but I, just, I mean, and there was only so much subtlety you could really kind of give that kind of character. But I mean, I thought it kind of had to be a slightly better way of revealing him. Uh, but all that said, I really liked David Collins' performance. Like, like as Harvey was saying earlier, he did a really good job in those early episodes of sounding like a, you know, like a more typical paternal figure. Like, okay, like very mature, but something's like not quite right about him. And then when we got to that reveal about who he actually is, like, I really appreciated that. Like, instead of just going full on ham, there's just more like a mild shift in his voice like just this extra little bit of menace that makes him sound scarier i like, was really i was worried that they were going to they were going to go more cartoonish on that reveal so i agree with you i'm so glad that they didn't make him too menacing i was yeah, so, yeah. Uh, sorry i could do yeah okay yeah like what like one thing that really got me in particular was like uh, the monologue he did at the start of episode 11 yeah. where he just kind of giving like this really eerie explanation of all his motivations and he's just going on and on and out of it and it's like and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you, Satoru. And then, like, when he just says that last Satoru bit, I like literally jumped back in my seat. Oh, like I, <laughs> I was enjoying David Collins, and it's like that was one of those things. I remember th thinking that was interesting in the sub. I'm glad they kept that in, and I think that was the moment I was actually sold on David Collins when he did that. That was you, Satoru. I'm like, ooh, ooh. And, like, especially when he's an older, like, when he's a lot older, he sounds very distinctly different enough that, like, I almost thought it was a different actor. But it was the same person. And he pulled off the same kind of unsuspecting but legitimate menace. And, like, when he does have that realization at the final moment, I thought regardless how you think of that scene or whether you think it's stupid or dumb or not, I thought he was fantastic in that. It's, it's, okay, yep. So the last thing I'll say about David Collins is he is now my number one pick for Yoshigake Kira in the eventual Diamond is Unbreakable dub. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay. Noah, did you have anything to say? When I was first hearing this dub, um, I wasn't... I, I didn't think it was David Collins for a second. I thought it was actually Jeff Bennett under an alias because the his normal speaking voice in the classroom sounded very much like Jeff Bennett's Midwestern speaking voice. And for don't, those of you who don't know, Jeff Bennett's an American voice actor who's done everything under the sun. He's mostly known for doing uh, nice background characters. Like He's Johnny Bravo. He's the man in the yellow hat and Curious George. He's the announcer guy for uh, Korra, uh, The Legend of Korra. So I was really surprised to find out that it was actually a different guy altogether. And like you said, Jet, the shift in his voice from very passe, uh, kind of uh, non uh, nondescript background character to menacing character is so subtle and so believable in his acting that I was honestly surprised he hasn't done more voice acting before. I'm now imagining Johnny Bravo as the teacher, and I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Do the worker with me! Come on! Hey there, baby. Get in my car. Here, some candy. <laughs> Hello, 911 emergency. There's a handsome guy in my uh, tool shed right now. 
Oh, <laughs> wait a second. That's just me. Also, this dead girl, but uh, you don't need to know about that. <laughs> I'm pretty. <laughs> uh. So yeah, so th this uh, yeah, this actor made it, made made to the character. Uh, one one question. I'm sorry, just one quick question. In the Japanese, uh, do you guys remember in the Japanese yes. if? Uh, Yashiro had a lower or a higher voice. I think it. I think it was about. It was actually pretty similar to what David Collins gives. Like, like, it, like it was pretty similar, but I think it was a little bit hammier. I think it was a I, little I, bit like yeah. hammier too. Actually, now that I think about it. It. Okay, yeah, because it was less normal sounding to me in the Japanese, so it made it, uh, you know, less of a red herring. But that he was the killer. It's like, oh, of course he's the killer. Listen to that voice. Okay. So, so I, I appreciate that David uh, made it less. Believable. If you had never seen the show before, you may not suspect that he's the bad guy. But the directions is pretty fucking obvious. Like there's some cutaways. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're actually paying attention to the direction. Yep. I, I direct us, Jet, over to the next character. So, so yep. And coming down to our main characters. First up, we have Sayo Hidazuki. Uh, Saya was one of Satoru's classmates so in elementary school and a victim of child abuse at the hands of her mother. Uh, she was also one of the serial killer's original victims, and she's Satoru's primary motivation for wanting to change his past, well, aside from the whole clearing his name thing. Uh, a little side note, uh, why'd you say Sayo and not Kayo? Uh, oh god. <laughs> I typed the name wrong, I'm so bad. <laughs> Yes, okay, uh, so, yeah, ignore everything, I, ignore everything I just said, it's Kyle. Hardy, can you hand me that fedora, please? <laughs> yes. No, I'm Here, the one that should go. be wearing that fedora. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do even worse, um, <clears throat> worst pronunciation ever. Heyo! I, I kid, Jet. Proceed. That's, okay, so, any predictions for Kyle? Um, I had, for my prediction, a warm, fluffy cinnamon bun. Who can act. Who can act. <laughs> oh, okay. I had the same thing, too, actually. Because I had Stephanie Shea. <laughs> and that... <laughs> no, actually, actually there, there is a reason for that. It, it's Because um, I know Stephanie, like, a lot of people may think of her as a Sailor Moon or as, like, ditzier characters. But that's not the character that came to mind when I first saw Kayo on the screen. I first saw Akira from Lucky Star, the character from the Lucky Channel segments, who has this... Bitchy attitude it was so fun to watch. Wait, that's Stephanie that's, Shea? That's Stephanie Shea! I didn't know that, actually. Okay. Andrew's just getting, like, a butt-ton of lessons here. But I, I'll say this. I do agree that Stephanie Shea does have a lot of variety that I know from other roles, but that's aside the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so, uh, so that's why I made that prediction. Okay, uh, as for me, I said considerably more because... Like, I had just recently watched a Toradora dub, and, you're, and I and you, really, really loved the performance of that show. And she was also kind of a very troubled child, so I figured she would do a good job here. And she also calls her male lead an idiot a couple of times. Yeah, that is very true. Mm -hmm. Okay, and as for who is actually playing Kayo, um, Noah was right on that one. It is Stephanie Shea. And Yay, I'm one for 20. <laughs> yep. And uh, Stephanie Shea's name at this point is about as synonymous with anime as you can get. And uh, some of her other work includes Elreka from Elreka 7. God, I really hate that pronunciation. Uh, Ori Hime Inoue from Bleach. 
Hidata Hyuga from Naruto, Nui Harime from Kill a Kill, Iliasville von Heinsberg and, and, and Fate in the Fate franchise, and the new voice of Musagi Tsukino, aka Sailor Moon, in the Viz redub of Sailor Moon. Okay, um, okay, well, you already kind of gave your thoughts a little bit, Noah, but uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Well, I'm just glad that we were able to change her fate in this show, too. Oh, stop throwing coconut. Ow, ow, stop. They're supposed to be rotten fruit. Ow, ow, stop throwing bricks. All right. <laughs> All right. So right got... Stephanie's got uh, the tough task of having to go through a whole spectrum of a girl in that she starts out with this cold reserved persona of a very abused little girl and has to then warm up by the end of the series without sounding like a, like a total role reversal. Like, like, um, she's not, she's really good at it. Like, I, I was really surprised by it. It's not the kind of, um, the kind of acting that's, uh, I guess we see a lot in anime where a character has like a subtle shift in personality. And I really appreciate Stephanie's dedication to making this character as believable as possible. Yeah. It's it's funny how you say that she gradually warms up considering she's basically the way she's murdered originally is that she's frozen to death. Oh, you okay. Oh. Uh, okay. Yo, I I wasn't going to say it, but th okay. Thank you. I, yeah. Oh. But terrible. Uh, but anyways, yeah, you can definitely see that she starts out as this very cold, stoic um very reserved, quiet little girl. And as the show goes on, as she's treated more and more kindly, she you do see the color appear back in her cheeks and like a warmthness develops around her. And then at the very end, she's fully grown with, uh, with a husband and child and she's just like the sweetest little young woman ever. And so you can definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate Stephanie's ability to make that transition throughout the 12 episodes of the series. I'm particularly protect. Ah, uh, I yeah. I protect. You want to protect. You want to protect no, her. No, yes, no, no. But he also want to attack. No, I, I, yes, I do want to protect Kayo because she's adorable and, uh, that she needs some food. Damn it. No, but I was going to say I'm actually very impressed with Stephanie Shea. I, I, I'm not the type of person that thinks she can only do Moe Moe, uh, Orihime, or Hinata. I've seen the things that she can pull off in characters like Tharja from Fire Emblem and Mikan Sumiki from uh, Danganronpa. I know she's got some impressive versatility and range, but this is particularly impressive because it, it is, as you mentioned, it's like a smorgasbord of a lot of different vocal performances in the much more like quieter like i don't give a crap about you to gradually like warming up dealing with their own things going emotional and really happy and really upset there's a lot going on that she brings to the table and i'm very impressed in stephanie even then even then she is not my favorite performance in this show I still think she is fantastic, though, and while it seemed like when I saw the name, I was like, oh, okay, Stephanie as Kayo, okay, that makes sense, but I'm very happy that she is playing this character, because she's fantastic. 
it doesn't help that her uh, she doesn't quite have as many lines to uh, to like exude as much emotion. So when people say like, if you said that she's not your favorite performance in the whole thing, do you think she might have been if she had like more dialogue to no, uh, no, no, no. emote with? No, 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 that no? that doesn't have anything to do with it. I I really enjoy her character and actress. That has not, that's not me saying I didn't like her because she didn't speak enough. That's a fallacy. No. Okay. Oh, okay. Just I. So, sometimes people who don't get enough screen time sometimes get the shaft a little bit. But I okay. Just theorizing there. Look, this character spends several episodes getting. Uh, well, she. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the phrase to use. Um, she, a knuckle sandwich. Let's go with knuckle sandwich. That, that is what she's served on a daily basis. Alright, okay. So I gotta say that for a while there, I honestly almost couldn't tell it was Stephanie Shea. Like, I mean, I know it's not her first time doing more reserved characters. I mean, Oraka is kind of her, one of her more iconic anime roles. Uh, but I've gotten so used to her doing peppy characters that seeing her do this sort of thing kind of took me for a loop a little bit. And uh, she really sold it for me. Like, she did a really great job of portraying this clearly broken little girl. And she did a great job of making the characters sound distant, but not to the point where it felt like really unnatural or unbelievable. And like you guys said before, I really appreciated like the little shift in her emotions, like how, like how her voice softens when she starts opening up more to Satoru. Like that was a really nice little touch that kind of really added to the performance for me. And when you're dealing with a subject as serious as child abuse, being able to depict those kind of subtle changes is like a really huge plus for me. So I really got to give props to both her and for how Alex Von David directed her here because it's a kind of a approach I'm not really used to from Stephanie Shea or like from dubs in general, but I was really very impressed with how she did here. And honestly, had this been streaming before last year's Dummy Awards, I would have probably given her the Black Magic Mortatic Award I think because boy, really? howdy, she really got the character on this one. But by the way, unrelated thing, <laughs> I'm totally cool with the fact that like, she got with Hirumi and like they have a family because it's like the the re reality is that the end goal was her to live and be happy I guess I I can understand like the misconstruction of that being like a an romantic attachment or, or something like that with Satoru when they're kids but yeah like like honestly had they did that it would have been kind of creepy I, I, but we can talk. We can talk about that a little more when we get to Satsuki. I, I just find it funny that it's Hirumi and her. For some reason, in my mind, I feel mm. like it would have been worse if it was her and Kenya. I don't know I, why. Like, I, I, I seriously kept thinking it was her and Kenya. Like I honestly didn't notice it until you guys said something. No, I. <laughs> you know, I agree. I do think that if it was Kenya and her, that would have been the lazy, easy thing to do. But the the writer was a little smarter than that and made it the the emotional character who actually like could probably be a more supportive husband because if you've got a wife who has been through that kind of abuse you have got to be some kind of emotional grandmaster like i don't know it just it just, it just i feel like that would have made kenya look a lot worse in hindsight in my mind uh, unrelated stephanie shea she's great perfect well, well kenya's got a few problems as a country so but we won't hold that against oh it. my god you fucker <laughs> Alright, uh, so did anyone have any other thoughts, or are we ready to move on? I think we're ready to move on, Jet. Okay, so now we finally come to our lead character, Satoru Fujinuma. Okay, so Satoru is a down-on-his-luck writer who 
has a power known as Revival that allows him to relive tragic events, so he has a chance to undo them, and when he gets framed for his brother's murder, he uses this ability to try and go back in time to stop the killer before he can harm the people he cares about. So, did anyone have any predictions? Well, what? I hope you guys did. I, <laughs> I had one for each. I had... Actually, yes, as, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's probably worth mentioning that for this, okay, that for this character, he is actually split into two different voice roles, because we have one for the 10-year-old version of him, and one for the 29-year-old adult. Okay, actually, I'm wrong. I have two for adult Satoru, and I have one for child Satoru. Uh, for child Satoru, uh, Christina V, because I'm thinking Killua, uh, for... Adult Satoru, I had Max Middleman and Lucian Dodge. Max Middleman because he's sort of become like a very impressive leading man with a lot of versatility and range in his acting ability. And Lucian Dodge is also the same, but I want to see him in more roles. What has Lucian, Do Lucian Dodge done in the past? I don't recognize that name. Uh, I think it's pronounced Lucian, actually. Lucian. Uh, he's Waver Velvet. He's Waver Velvet. Uh... He's uh, he, he's actually like the other guy in Charlotte, which we will discuss at a later date. Uh, and he, he's, uh, he's now also recent. Oh, wait, no, we'll, we're doing an episode on this. We'll talk about it later. Anyways, <laughs> he's in spoiler and he's spoiler and spoiler, but he's most spoiler known as spoiler in spoilers. Yo, dog, we heard you like spoilers. So we put spoilers inside your spoilers to really spoil you. Ah, spoil you, man. I can't believe yeah. Lucian Dodge is the best actor in Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay uh, as for me, I went the incredibly lazy route with young Satoru, and I said Erica Mendez. Okay, and as for adult Satoru, I said either Robbie Damon or Ben Diskin, because, like, uh, when I was listening to the Seiyu, he had, like, a kind of very deep like deep voice like not like super deep but kind of like very I can be very kind of like grounded and so so I thought Robbie David or Ben Diskin would be a good choice for that yeah the Japanese actor definitely has that droll voice to it which yes, uh, yeah, yeah and it's actually kind of interesting because like it's one little side I learned later but apparently like that guy isn't even like an actual voice actor like he does live acting stuff mostly he's a stage and they got oh, he... yeah, yeah like they, they got him specifically for this show so that's why he sounds so different yeah yeah Okay, alright. I can dig it. Alright. Um, so, I'm gonna combine the two of you's lazy people together and be lazy squared, because for young Satoru, I also said Erica Mendez for pro the exact same reasons that you were thinking, Jet. That being the fact that she's a fantastic actress and can do no wrong. And I also put Max Middleman as the adult character, because he's a good lead man for Bang Zoom dubs. Uh, mostly also, uh, pitch-wise, I know that he's probably best known for having a younger, you know, higher voice for, as far as male actors go. But he also, in Your Line April, he had a little scene where he played the black cat. And that voice was uh, more of a lower, uh, gravelier sound to it. So I thought, okay, well, Max clearly has a little bit more range than uh, we've seen in his big roles. So maybe this will be a chance for him to stretch his chops with playing a, vo a lower voice character. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I totally could see that how that happened. Uh, okay, but actually playing Satoru. Okay, okay, for young Satoru, we have Michelle Ruff. And for adult Satoru, we have Ben Diskin. 
Michelle Ruff. Okay, Michelle Ruff has been in voice acting for probably about as long as I've been alive. Since the dawn of time, <laughs> Michelle Ruff has been playing young mistresses and boys in distress. Okay, okay. So some of her notable work includes Fujiko Mine from the Lupin franchise, Ruki Akutsuki from Bleach. Ari Sodahara from Durara, Yoko Littner from Gurren Lagann, Luna in the Viz redub of Sailor Moon, and Monica Mukaido in Alone in the Sea. Uh, ben Diskin has also been around for quite a bit, though his name's only gotten bigger in recent years. And uh, some of his other work includes Psy and Naruto Shippuden, Death Gun and Sword Art Online, Ash Roller in Excel World, Bond and the Seven Deadly Sins. Kadio Takarada and Kill a Kill, and best Jojo, Joseph Josar from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Season 1. You're forgetting his most important anime performance. <clears throat> Nigel Uno no. from Kids Next Door, <laughs> which I can finally... And, and, in Kids Next Door... Uh, he's number two, right? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's one and two. I, I feel it's important to mention that because when you really think about it... Him going back in time is basically a kids next door operation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of surprised they never did write that into the show. <laughs> like go back in time and like kill the first uh, adult ever and like stop adults from ever being created. But then you'd have no children if there was a, no adult. That is the oxymoron. Yeah, yes, but like like they could like write it in like okay, kids become adults because they grow up, but that's not natural. An adult planted that into the DNA of all kids so that they would grow up. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> he that's way Mr. Off time. Ben Diskin is now playing a shitty broken down adult. How does he sound? <laughs> yes, you're right. Okay, uh, I definitely want to go last on this one. Oh, so. Okay, okay. Uh, can I can I take the floor briefly for this? Um. I really like Ben Diskin as an actor, but I definitely think I've seen him in a lot more eccentric, kind of crazy, zany characters in a lot of other performances, especially ones you've listed, or the sort of light-hearted man, side man. This is where he's playing something a lot more low-key and quiet, which is not what I usually associate Ben Diskin with, and... It's not that I doubted that he could pull this off. It's that I've never really heard him go that route. And honestly, he's fucking fantastic. Everything he brings to the table with Satoru when he's like doing his inner monologues or going into revelations about the past, he's got some fantastic moments. He's like when he's freaking out, when he realizes he's cornered, when he's kind of getting those really emotional beats. He's fantastic. I, he is the best dub. He is the best performance in the show, in my mind. He, yes, he is. The, ben Diskin is the best dub in the show. <laughs> he, he is no longer person. He is now nothing but a wave file. I believe that Ben Diskin could pull off uh, Kayo. I know what you're going to say, Andrew. You're going <laughs> to say that Ben Diskin is the best voice actor ever. Ben Diskin is the best voice actor ever. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah segueing into that um i have to agree that ben was absolutely fantastic in this role and for for every single reason that andrew had to say 
and I like to segue into that into Michelle's performance as young Satoru because believe it or not we actually I cannot remember us ever actually speaking of Michelle Ruff on our show until just recently she she really hasn't popped up in a lot of the dubs that we've reviewed despite her being in the industry so very long um one thing I would like to bring up is that I've always sort of had sort of a kind of love-hate relationship with Michelle's voice about on certain roles. Sometimes she vo- when she speaks, it sounds a lot like she's reading off the script. Yeah, underpants, exactly. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Underpants? 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 Underpants, underpants, underpants. I, yeah. I feel like I'm missing some context here. No, I've always. You know, but, but, I, I, Hardy, don't, don't tell him. Do not tell him. Okay. No, I'm not gonna tell. You have to find out on your own. No, I've always made the joke <laughs> that Michelle Ruff is at her best where she's voicing little girls, uh, robots, or little robot girls. But, um, but one thing we've never really noticed is how well she can actually voice little boys. When she's done it before in the dubs for Blaze Blue, and also she was Baby Lelouch in Code Geass, and not a lot of people realize that. I actually really, really, really dig her young boy voice. And I think that she is probably second to Ben Diskin. She's probably my second favorite performance in this dub because she sounds she has sort of a more natural sound to her when she voices a little boy than when she voices pretty much anyone else because she does have this sort of i am going to read this this line right off the page uh, when she's voicing like anyone else but when she voices a little boy for some strange reason it just works um and so yeah she's probably one of my favorite performances in the entire I kind of agree with you in terms of Michelle Ruff. They they both get a lot to work with and play off of each other, and they both work really well. She sounds like a very believable little kid and very believable little boy. And I she she pulls off all she gets to pull a lot of the heavy weight because when when Ben Diskin is like speaking in his mind, she's the one that's really doing the actual action for the majority of the show. So she's got a lot to do, and she does a lot of those scenes really well. When she's flustered, when she's really concerned, when she's ready to pop a motherfucker in the face, uh, it's it's really good. One thing, going off on what you were speaking of, is when their roles are reversed at the end of the show. I was then, about to mention that, actually. That's great. Yeah, is that he goes into a coma for 15 years, so when he wakes up, he's still pretty much a kid, mentally. And so then Ben has been doing the narration this entire time. Then the narration switches over to Michelle and she's narrating his child voice in his grown up body. And it's just I, I was what really impressed me about the show, despite all his flaws, is how well that it, the narration aspect was done uh, throughout the series. That was honestly I, one of my favorite parts. And so, yeah, that she was. Ben and Michelle were probably my favorite parts of the entire dub. Satoru is the best voice. Which one? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so, as for me, uh, like you said before, honey, like Michelle Ross played such a wide variety of characters over the years, and it's sort of weird she hasn't cast little boys very often because she's always been really good at those. 
at the rare occasions he does them. I mean, like, since he doesn't do this sort of character much, I was a little bit surprised when I saw her in, in this role, but I, to hear her performance, I totally got it. Like, her acting here is really solid, and, like, like, and one of the things I really liked about her performance that I'm not sure if anyone else kind of noticed, and I assume is probably intentional, that, like, if you really kind of pay attention to her speech patterns in the dub, like, it kind of slightly mirrors how Ben Diskin talks for Adult Satoru. And it really kind of, like, helped to give the impression that she was sort of, like, speaking for him. Like, like it gave the impression that it's more like a grown adult in a child's body than an actual little boy. And it's something I really appreciated because I never really got that vibe to Japanese track the first time I watched the show. Like, there was always an element I kind of thought was missing, so I really liked that they added that bit here. I hadn't actually picked up on that, but I, I can totally see it now that you, that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, okay, and then as far as Ben Disney goes, like, at this point, he's pretty much my favorite voice actor in, in, in the industry, bar none. Really? And, like, the, yeah, like, and the thing I really like about it is, the thing I really love about his work is that, like, pretty much everything he does sounds different, and his vocal range really helps with that. Like, anime in particular kind of tends to pin actors down to certain kinds of roles, like, okay, so I like voice actors usually have, like, a very specific thing they do, and... I mean, that's not really a problem in and of itself, but, like, the great thing about him as an actor is that he always kind of approaches his characters very differently. Like, he never does the exact same kind of thing twice, even when he's doing very similar characters. And and it's because of that that I've been impressed with just about everything he's done. And, like, even with all that in mind, I gotta say, like, this is probably the best work I've ever seen from him. Like, it's simply the most serious thing he's ever done, even though he's known for, like, doing a lot of heavier stuff. And I was really amazed at just how... And just how well he was able to keep his character very, like, composed and down-to-earth. And, like, with everything he did, from how he portrayed the character's outer attitude to all the heavier emotional beats, like, his performance is really spot-on, and it's just, like, another credit to Alex about David's direction. Like, I really liked how they took the sort of detached approach to the narration with all the childhood scenes, since it really kind of gave the impression that he's more... Like, overlooking all those scenes as an observer rather than, like, being an actual participant. And, like, one of the things that really got me in his performance, like, w like one little bit in episode 11, like, after Satoru wakes up from his coma after a decade and he loses most of his memories, like, I really appreciate how Ben Diskin portrayed that shift because, like, for all those scenes, he kind of dials back his voice just a little bit to make it sound a little bit softer, a little bit more childlike. It's very dry, too. It's... Yeah, like, yeah like, it, like, it's a very subtle touch, but I thought it was, like, a really great bit to add, and he didn't even, he didn't have to do that either, like, he could have just kept doing his normal performance, it would have been fine, but the fact that he went that extra mile just kind of really stuck out to me, and it just really helped add to that performance, like, everything he does here just really works, and, uh, like, and honestly, again, had this dub been available for the dubbies last year, I would have totally given him my best performance of the year, and I might do it this year anyway, because got started he was fantastic and like i'm really 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 glad he's getting more recognition now because this man absolutely deserves it like everything he does is fantastic and i am just really glad to hear him and stuff i agree yeah absolutely noah did you have any comments you'd like to make um, well, uh, I'd just like to say that, um, I am so glad that, uh, after, uh, he had that, uh, outing with Venom, that Ben Diskin finally gets to play a good guy. <laughs> because if, if you didn't know, he also played Eddie Brock in Spectacular Oh, yeah, he is Eddie! <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't stop watching the show and thinking, man, Eddie 
finally got a break after he had his falling out with Venom. Uh, <laughs> or Simba, no, the symbiote, not he became Venom. That's not the point. The whole thing about Ben uh, voicing this character is that it actually, um, I'm going to disagree with you guys a little bit and him being the best role throughout because I thought there were actually some flat line reads when he first started out. Um, he s starts monologuing on his pizza bike. Um, like he's talking about Ayari um, uh, being a weirdo and he has like just some flat line reads in that opening sequence there. Like it was taking him a little bit to get into this character, which to be fair is hard to do because it's hard to play a drab, droll character without sounding kind of boring. But he finally fell into his groove, I bet, I uh, think, when about like halfway through that episode. And then he became the best voice in the whole cast. Okay. Okay. And then as... Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you guys noticed any flat line reads in there, but it just felt like it took him a little while to get into the room. Okay, that's fair. Okay, okay yeah, like, that, that's pretty fair. Now, as for Michelle, um, it's real. I, I want to praise her a lot more uh, than I'm going to, but... I guess um when you when you play something so archetypally and you do it well, then it's just um like the expectation for it is right where I thought it was going to be. She played this role exactly as well as I thought she was going to, which is a great thing because they had the option to like maybe uh like diverge from the script or the directing a bit and have more um I guess like more zaniness than the original Japanese, but no, Michelle, like you said, Hardy plays a little boy really well and i have no qualms with it she's consistently good throughout the whole thing and i'm really glad that we get a chance to hear her in roles again because my heart goes out to you yep i love you michelle well at least she's fujiko again oh yeah yes yeah, yeah, great. all is right with the world so yes, sir. i i've just yeah i'm now imagining what would Nigel Udo say if he was to describe, like, the plot of this as a Kids Next Door mission? <laughs> well, well, first we have to give the word erased an anagram. So be like, <laughs> oh, no. God, okay, um, uh, erased. Um, oh, God, no, you're gonna do I'm it. I'm gonna do you? this. You know what? <laughs> While you're doing this for uh, getting your final thoughts out, I'm going to spend time doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Operation Erased. Uh, egregious removal about mama okay, okay, alcoholic no. destruction. I don't know. <laughs> you were almost there, but there wasn't an end. I, I, I know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> There's not uh, an M in erased? <laughs> How the fuck did I graduate from high school? <laughs> Alright, okay, so this, that's a pretty decent segue into final thoughts. So? So, who wants to go first on the final thoughts on this spectacular mission that we just went on? Uh, well, I guess I'll go first. Like, okay, I mean, Erased was one of my favorite shows from the season it came out. So I was pretty happy to get the chance to watch it again. And honestly, I think I like it even more now than I did the first time, like... And I really think I owe a lot of that to how great the dub is, because both the director and the actors really poured their hearts into this one, and you can really just feel it in how well everything turned out. Like, I mean, the show's not perfect, its final act is definitely kind of its weakest point. I mean, but I think it's certainly worth watching, like, it's a pretty solid thriller for the most part, and I really like Satoru's character arc. And I mean, plus if nothing else, it's got one heck of a dub, and I'd certainly say if for nothing else, it's worth checking out for that. <clears throat> Erased. 
Early revival adolescent saving everyone's dreams. Okay. Oh, wow. That is Holy actually really shit. impressive. That was actually really good. Operation Erased. Now, uh, if Mr. Warburton was actually making more episodes of that Kids Name Next Door reboot, like they were going to do, but then they they chickened out on, you should totally work for Look, them. Look, clearly it's more important to have the Powerpuff Girls reboot, but that's a bitchy conversation for another oh, side. My actual thoughts on this show. Uh, watching this a second time has given me a very interesting perspective on the show, because first time, I went a little bit sour because I thought it was a mystery series and it was something else. And that really hurt it in its final act when it changed into something else. And that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I'll say this. The show itself still has various problems when I first watch it. But at the very least, I went into it with the mindset of the thriller, more aware of what was going to happen. And I kind of gained a new appreciation for the series, at the very least, majorly in parts to being able to watch this dubbed again. Because the dub of this is really strong, some solid performances, and some really imp impressive vocal work from people like Stephanie Shea, uh, Ben Diskin, Michelle Ruff, and even newcomers like Sarah Eric uh, Cravens, uh, Sarah Cravens, Sarah Cravens, and uh, David Collins. I was particularly impressed with a lot of it all around, and whether or not the show is still worth your time or not, absolutely, absolutely. Go watch this on dubbed if you, if you have a Hulu account. Yeah, it, it's especially like did you guys um when you watched it again in dubbed? I, I know Hardy, this was the first time you watched it, but for Andrew and Jet, did you guys uh meander through the episodes like a few episodes a day, or did you marathon the whole? Thing? Uh, meander. As, as, as I like, I almost marathoned through it, but I had to like pace myself. Okay, I pay and Andrew? I pace. Uh, for the first remember first time I watched it, I watched it weekly. So that was a different right. experience in and of itself, which probably led to conflicted emotions. Going through the dub again, I went through like at least two or three episodes of Oda Day. Okay, well, I'm asking because for my own watching of the dub, I was able to marathon the show um, last night, actually. It was incredibly easy to watch this episode to episode without getting too bored by it, which you would think a show that you're watching for a second time may not have as much staying power to it. But just because of the direction of the, the consistency of the dub... And being able to pick up on little details in the direction of the animation, now that I'm not watching the subtitles, I was, it, I really wanted to finish this show as fast as possible. Yeah. That's how I did it, was I watched, I started out, because Erased, I started out watching both Erased and Little Witch Academia at the same time. I was going to watch one episode a day until I got through both of them. Um... But then eventually it got to the point to where I really, really wanted to see what was going to happen next. And so I think I got to episode seven or eight of Erased and then I just marathoned it through there. And I'm kind of glad I did because some of those cliffhangers that, brought, that were brought out um, really would have been hard to wait for. And I especially, especially if you're watching it weekly through the Oh, simulcast. yeah. The worst one was when... The, when the guy walked on the bus when Kaio was sleeping. That was the one where I was watching that yeah. weekly. I was like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it's just... I thought that this was a solid show. It definitely has its problems, but having not wa having watched it for the first time, unlike the rest of you, uh, I just think that this was a fantastically created dub. 
I have nothing but good things to say about the majority of it. And um, I'm with Jet. If this had, if Aniplex had made it available for streaming earlier during the year of 2016, it probably would have been a major contender for the dubbies. And it might still get a few honorable mentions here and there. But yeah, I was, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to spend Aniplex prices to buy it, but I really enjoyed it. At the very least, I do sincerely appreciate that Aniplex has finally decided on a seemingly consistent hub for their dubbed streaming releases, and that's going to make our lives a lot easier, believe me. As long as they don't start putting stuff on Anime Strike. Don't jinx it. I am knocking on all of this wood right now, Hardy. Don't even... Don't even speak that name. I bet you're all like Michael Clark Duncan in Talladega Nights. Don't you put that evil on us, Spaceman Hardy! Okay, no, no, no. It's like, no, no, it's like Harry Potter. It's he who shall not be named. Streaming service which shall not be named. We will not talk of anime strike. That's a joke for another time. But I think we've all gotten our pieces said. Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. this show is this is good, and th- we need more shows like it. Okay, so does anyone have anything they want to plug really quick? Uh, well, first of all, that... Jet, tell us where you can where you can watch dub, where you can watch Erased Pl- dub. Plug the as, show as, itself. As, okay, yes, if you want to watch Erased, you can currently watch the show subtitled on Crunchyroll or Hulu. Uh, the dub itself is available exclusively on Hulu. Uh, Hulu is now exclusively a pay-for-play service. You can you can get a subscription for either seven ninety nine for streaming with limited ads, or streaming with no ads for eleven ninety nine. And just as a, a heads up, because I think all of us watched it with the uh, ad version of it. There's like two or three ads between breaks, and there's like four breaks per twenty. Four, uh, minute episodes. Okay, basically, if you're going through like a 23, 24 minute episode show, it'll take you like 30 minutes to get through it. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it like is, watching something yeah. on television. Got it. Provided you're streaming, your internet connection is good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have plugged the show. We have now we just got to plug ourselves. Plug ourselves into the oh database, my. friends. Alright, I am going to plug my own website, not a website, it's a YouTube channel. Everyone has a YouTube channel these days. And that is youtube.com slash journeytraveler, where provided that after, I have been very busy with raising a daughter, I just want to point that out, I'm not lazy, I'm just very busy being a parent who does not throw their child in a, a closet. Good job. That, thank you. I, I know I deserve a cookie for that. But uh, at my own YouTube channel, I do have some videos available about animation from the Western world. Voice actor Shout Out, which is a show that I really need to revive a bit more. That goes into more depth about uh, American voice actors. And who knows what else I may do with that. L- let me just uh, get my Ruby to, like, I don't know, like, a couple months old. And then we'll talk about I that. I thought you were going to say, get my Ruby to Tuesday. And I was about to be very... Oh my god! Andrew, how are you not a dad already? You have the worst dad puns ever. Because I am almost 21, still in college, and don't really have a consistent source of income, I'd appreciate not getting a girl pregnant yet. 
You could adopt, uh, you could, like, find one in a cabbage patch. I don't but care. if you'd Just... like to know where you can find any other shitty jokes I have, you can follow me over at MangaMan9000 on Twitter.com, or you can find me roaming around on uh, the Funimation forums. I also do a, another podcast for Surreal Res- Resolution called Podcast ONA, which is a fun time about discussing general things happening in anime. And I plugged myself. As for me, I'm Spaceman Hardy. I don't do any review shows or videos, but I am actually a forum moderator over at the Funimation forums. You can come join us, hang out and chat, and uh, and just have some fun. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy, where I post a lot of goat pictures, do a lot of angry rants, and retweet a lot of cheesecake. So, um, yeah, there's all that. And he is talking about the bakery item, just so you know. Actually, both, you know, the fan service and the bakery items, because I love me some food porn and some sexy girls. So. You man after my own heart. <laughs> Are the sexy girls made of cheesecake? They could be. That's the new trend. We've done slime girls. Now we should do, like, that old uh, Disney cartoon where everyone was made out of cake and candy. We could have actual bakery good Women. Look, whether that... it be food or women, you want them in your mouth regardless. Oh. Yes! Yes! <laughs> we will go down this rabbit hole, and we will get arrested for it. <laughs> okay. All right. Take us out of this rabbit it. hole, Jet. Yep. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at DivineNega. Um, you can also uh, read some of my reviews on my blog, Animation Infinity, or... My current reviews for My Hero Academia on the Phantom Post. And uh, like Andrew, I'm also sometimes on Podcast ONA where we talk about seasonal stuff and anime news, and that's pretty fun. And uh, yeah, that's basically it for me. Uh, so uh, thanks for joining me tonight, guys. I had a lot of fun with this one. I yes. had a lot of fun, and I gotta say, I can't believe we spent this entire episode without actually singing the theme song of the show. <laughs> you are no Asian Kung Fu generation, Andrew. Don't you even try. I can be if I want to be. Jed, I think it's time you, you pull the plug on there. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, where uh, does uh, those uh, superpowers uh, come from, by the way? We never, he never explains where the superpowers come Okay, so he's got this power to go back in time, and it's never died, everybody. He's I'm just assuming it was meant to be a metaphor for Kids Next something. Door, Battle Stations. Hang on okay, your uh, underwear. Uh, okay. Okay, okay, and on that note, we're pretty much done here. Uh, so thanks for joining us tonight, everyone. And until next time, Otaku, my friends, and farewell. Okay. Bye.